0: Welcome back, everyone. This is Jack Greenstock, your host of Growing with My Fellow Growers, here with an amazing panel and a few special guests this evening. I'll start off
1: first by passing it to Spartan Grown. Welcome back, nice Jack. Uh, welcome back to you too. The Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram, just Instagram. I've been getting constant messages from lots of pretenders on Facebook and other media, so just Instagram, Spartan Grown, all one word. And then uh, also, if you don't have an Instagram, you can always shoot me an email, spartangrowing at gmail.com. And that's how you get a hold of me. I am both i have experience of both organic and synthetic growing, so I can help on either side.
0: Happy to have you back, and I'm also happy to be back. Uh, missed out the last couple weeks for various reasons, but it's always good to be here with this awesome crew. Next up, Dr. MJ.
2: Hey guys, yeah, I've been gone a couple of weeks too. So it's nice to be back. I missed you guys, missed the audience, missed the chatters, missed all the panelists. Um, so it's nice to be back doing the show again. I'm Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. Girl, love it, everyone. I think you're
0: definitely going to get some uh, in on some of these conversations tonight. We're going to be talking a little bit about light schedule, uh, lighting related things as well. And uh, Matthew's got some information about uh, light in particular that we brought up. Uh, And we're like, oh, this would be great if Dr. MJ was here. So we're going to get back to that at some point. And speaking of Matthew, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself?
3: Yeah. Hey, everyone. This is Matthew Gates. I'm an Integrated Pest Management Specialist. And uh, I am excited to talk here today with our uh, two panel guests um, and I am excited to talk about various aspects of lighting and with regards to plants, uh, photosynthesis and all that sort of thing. If you're interested in uh, pest information, integrated pest management strategies, things like that, you can find me in a couple of different places, Twitter and Instagram at Sync Angel, where I regularly share research reports and things of that ilk. And also on my YouTube channel, Zentanol, which I'm also commenting on here in the chat
4: where I post a lot of my pest primer videos and educational footage. Happy to have you back as well. Next up, Noah Vigroa.
1: Yeah. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm uh, Noah Vigroa on Instagram with two E's. You can find me there. And most weeks here with everybody else. How's everybody doing? Good.
0: Doing good. Doing good. Next up, Kyle Breeder.
5: Hey, everybody. Uh, Yeah, I'm Kyle Breeder. I am a cannabis breeder that typically specializes in uh, feminized breeding, but i also stepping into the the reg world, uh, male and female. Uh, I'm also a genetic consultant. So if that's something you're looking into, I do have uh, intellectual property that would help you in that uh, area. And for anybody that lives in Michigan, uh, my flower is being cult or my my breeder cuts are being cultivated there. So there's going to be access uh, there, for anybody that lives there, and hopefully, maybe other places soon. And uh, if you're looking for seeds, I have a website, purebreeding.com. And you can find me on pure underscore breeding on Instagram, pure breeding on Facebook, and pure breeding, pure underscore breeding on Twitter. I just got on Twitter uh, now that Musk has control of it. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. I'm glad everyone's still here and safe. And uh, thanks for hosting, Jack.
0: Hopefully, uh, free speech on Twitter means cannabis won't be censored. Uh, with that yeah. said, the American one.
5: Hello
6: Jack and everyone here on the panel and everyone in chat it's always good to be here and see everybody uh I'm the American one on the YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore 18s on the IG most of you know me already uh but if you don't look search for me on IG uh type in the American one and hopefully my a little guy with an American top hat will come out pop up taking a chunk bite out of the world that would be me and uh yeah it's good to be here and uh yeah, it's good to have some new fo- new uh, boxes on the panel.
0: We got one fellow from across the pond, at least, and uh, I used to always think his name was Percy because he worked with uh, Percy's Grow Room, the website. But I found out <laughs> later that Percy meant personal, like a personal uh, personal grow or personal stash. So, without further ado, uh, one of our first special guests this week, uh, Mackie. Why don't you go Hello. Ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, everybody from the UK here. <laughs> it's not really my voice, so I'm
7: sorry. I was faking that with yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Jack. It's, it's sweet to be back. I mean, I've been on this podcast a couple of years ago. It was a long, long time ago since it was last on the Cheap homegrove Show, man. So thanks for having me back. Uh, and it's, ple- it's a pleasure to see you all again on the spot. And I haven't spoken to you for a long time and I hope life is treating you good. And then we had Jack on the show just a couple of weeks ago. Kyle Breeder was on the show recently as well. And Matthew Gates. We've got interviews coming out with all you guys
0: pretty soon. So thanks for joining us on our show as well. That's pretty sweet. It's always good. That's what it's all about. I mean, I love this community and uh, being able to go on each other's shows and interact with the different communities and things like that. And um, you guys even had a little stint here on the Cheap Home Grow channel yeah, called Growing with, with My, My Fellow Lads.
6: Lads, right? Yeah, yeah, they That's had a right, takeover
0: yeah. that that spawned just like this show has many other shows. Like I think this kind of created uh, or drifted into the Michigan Bros Grow Show. Uh, it also turned from Growing with My Fellow Lads to Percy's Grow Room has the high on homegrown, and there's also uh, the other uh, British group. I'm trying to blanket on their names, but Grow uh, Room 420, man. Yeah, yeah, Grow Room 420 for them, GMO. So there's a lot of uh, stuff has actually spawned from this channel, which makes me happy to see because yeah, we but, need more content like that out there. And it's amazing to have this community keep growing, people sharing the good information and uh, connecting over this amazing plant. But uh, Last and certainly not least, we've got Monkey
8: not a whole lot of introduction to be done. Mackie's pretty much done most of it for me right there, you know, <laughs> just a home grower, cocoa grower that, uh, admin over at Percy's that we decided to start a podcast. So Mackie and I went on on a limb and we started high on homegrown a couple of years ago and we met a lot of fantastic people. i a few years ago and shit. It's been that long. God damn it. <laughs> Almost two years now, man, it's getting close. So yeah, <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. You, uh, you stake your claim and you, and you start talking and people start listening. It's been a good ride
0: you just keep going. We just passed three years a little bit ago, and uh, I don't yeah. see any signs of stopping. Even when uh, we we missed one week, but uh, for the most part, we come here every week and are able to make it happen. So,
8: yeah, Good definitely excited to have everybody man. here. Excellent people.
0: Well, we're happy to have you. And uh, this week, there's been uh, some con- conversations going on in the community recently, and I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past, discussing uh, light cycles. And something that's been rebrought up a little bit is the 12 on, one off, sometimes known as a gas lantern uh, routine or gaslight, or whatever you want to call it, uh, gas lamp or whatever it is. Uh, people are reintroducing that back into the scene. There's a guy named Joe P who's really pushing hard for it. And uh, there's people that are pushing for it in greenhouses and things like that. I have some questions and thoughts of my own about doing it indoors. But I think uh, when in examining that, I think it's also fun to maybe potentially examine all, all the possible light cycles, like in veg, some people run 24 hours on zero off. Some people run 20 on four off and there's 18, six, then there's 17, seven and 16, eight, whatever. So I'm just curious going around the panel, I guess, maybe in the same little uh, circle that we did for our introductions, just um, like Spartan, what do you do for your veg? What is your light cycle? And uh, do you have any reasoning behind it?
1: Yeah, 18 hours? Cause it's easy. It's worked for me all my growing life.
2: And, uh,
1: until I see evidence to where it's a detriment, like it's costing me money if I don't do it another way, or, you know, I'm open to options, but, uh, I'll wait till a couple of people do it before I risk my garden on it when I change, when I know something works. So that's why I'm at 18. And I'm with you on that. I mean, it works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right.
0: And, uh, do you know any ideas of like your PPFD or your par?
1: Um, you know, I haven't measured veg. I just, uh, go by the plant. And uh, if they are showing light stress, I crank my lights down. (laughs) I've got the Grandmaster Level uh, 6 bar, the V6, I think it's called. But I have it at 40%. I put it in there at 100%, and within an hour, I was in there turning it down. And uh, so I just kind of, I didn't, I have, I I should do it, though, because I have a Pulse Pro I can bring in there and get the measurement from. I just haven't. I, I need to do that. But uh, I just, I've got right now, I've got it turned down to 40%. And that's what this plant seemed to like. And that's why I've got it set there. But no, I haven't even measured it. I measured the, the PPF in the flower room, of course. That's at a thousand. That's what I run in there. Okay. And um,
0: yeah, it's definitely interesting when you know the exact amount and then how long the light's on for, because then you can actually calculate the DLI or daily light integral. Right. And um, I know not a lot of people are thinking about it so much in veg, but I've seen time-lapse video where people's plants kind of go up and down, up and down, kind of throughout the day. Then at a certain point, um, it could be they're drought stressed, or it could be that they've got too much light, but they just completely flop. Like uh, they're completely like, you know, uh, moving away from or the or... light. And it to seems... me, I think it might be a photo response of like, hey, we've gotten enough uh, light, but I know Dr. MJ and many others might disagree with that. So I'd like to pass it over to Doc and uh, maybe hear what is your veg cycle. And if you know what your PPFD is in veg, uh, why do you run a particular level and for how long?
2: Yeah, usually, you know, when plants are first, they grow from a seed. So I, I keep them under 24 hour lighting for the first know, about week, usually um, as they're pushing up out of the jiffy pellets where I start them um, until they're kind of clearly definable plants um, you know, past their first node. And then I'll go to 20 on usually and four off for the rest of veg. Um, PPFD, I, you know, I start seedlings at about 200 um, by veg. So by the time I transplant the the plant up, pot it up into its second container, that's usually after it has at least three nodes um i'll have them up above 500 um and you know that's enough usually for veg i'll usually run them a little bit higher than that like bring the light up to like seven eight hundred um during veg and then max out in a thousand during flower um but yeah usually 20 hours or 18 but, but 20 hours on is pretty typical for for my grows if i'm being honest
0: do you know? Um, and maybe you could pull up a PPFD or not? Not a PPFD, a DLI calculator. Do you have any idea, like the range that your DLI would fall in for veg and for flower with those PPFDs? And no,
2: terms? no, I, I don't pay really any attention to DLI. I mean, we can calculate it if we want to, um, but it, no, it, it's there's always some sort of, you're right in, in thinking that it's, you know, the combination of the amount of time that it's on plus the, the density. PPFD is the density per second and DLI is essentially that per 24 hours. Um, And so it matters how long you're running the lights, but it's not a strict ratio between DLI and growth. Um, So I guess I'd need to know why we wanted to measure DLI.
3: The main thing for me would be like, uh, not related to plants at all, but like pests, but I'm of course a special case there.
2: There's a bunch of other things. Okay. If there's a, if there's a pest that's sensitive to a particular DLI.
3: Oh no, it's just like a developable, but like, like you say, it's a, it's a metric for like a longer period of time, not like a second, like PPFD before 24 hour span. So like uh, that's just a development of time. So like over, you know, a larger stretch of time um, I, and there's other reasons to use it, of course. Right. Uh, I actually think that you probably know better than I do about that, but I, yeah, for me, DLI, um, I don't really usually think too much about it myself. doesn't mean there isn't some benefit to it though, but for me, I usually equate it to like uh, environmental things that I'm tracking outside of the cultivation itself.
0: Right. I like to think about it just because anything that can be tracked can be improved. And if you start noticing trends of like um, a certain DLI is maybe too high and the plants aren't performing as well, you're getting lower yield or at a certain DLI, you're hitting your best yields and things like that. I think that there's something it's worth tracking. I mean, we're running
2: light. For- yes. I, I just think that each of those variables are more important than the combination. This is my same problem with VPD. I don't really like to track VPD and and everybody learns about VPD and they think it's like the the next greatest thing, but it's actually combining two different variables that are each independently important and and need to be thought of sort of in their own right. And combining them is, is illuminating in some ways, but it's not more important than the underlying variables themselves. So with VPD, temperature and relative humidity, are both important in their own right, regardless of VPD. And with DLI, PPFD and day length are are both important for their own sets of reasons that, you know, if we're running controlled experiments and we wanted to see sort of what the the ratio was, yeah, we would want to measure DLI and compare those things. But even then, we wouldn't want to just be changing DLI. Like if we were running a controlled experiment, right? We would change either PPFD or length of of lighting, um, you know, we wouldn't just sort of change both of them willy-nilly because the DPD was a little bit different. We'd wanna control each one of those variables independently. So DLI is always only gonna be sort of descriptive in, in certain ways. And for plants, at least, it is not prescriptive. There isn't sort of a prescribed DLI that the plants will do best with. Um, They will respond differently to different PPFDs and to different day lengths, each for independent reasons, and you could, you you know, sum those and and say, well, this is the DLI they work best with, but it, it wouldn't, you know, you could reach that same DLI at a different day length with more density. Or a longer day length with less density. And neither one of those would necessarily produce the same good growth that you witnessed. So I think it's important to, to, you know, pay attention to those underlying variables.
3: Sort of an abstraction.
2: Yeah.
0: One metric of many to keep an eye on, I guess. I don't think it's like the main thing, but like you were saying that you could adjust like your intensity or the day length time. The two examples you gave um, just for veg, like 500 PPFD at 20 hours uh, was about 34. And the 1000 for 12 hours was 43. And I've seen like some stuff like Chandra et al experimented with as high as like 60 DLI, which I think like they went up as high as like 2000 PPFD with 800 uh, parts per million CO2. And some plants were able to like get a tiny thing, but it was diminishing returns, but then other ones had a drop down. uh, So they got too much light and it actually hurt their yield or, you know, didn't improve it compared to 1500, which they found to be sort of like the optimal with 800 CO2. But if you have atmospheric CO2, that 400 uh, parts per million CO2, a thousand was sort of that threshold. And if you went to the 1500 again, you started to see stuff drop down. Well, there's, there's yeah.
2: it, it's, it's sort of the secondary analysis too. it's the marginal returns that are more important on these things, because you can keep investing more energy in, in light and sort of incrementally increase yield, but it becomes really inefficient at the top because you have to add like a lot more energy for that last gram, you know, um, compared to, to earlier where like each new unit of energy got you like, You know 20 grams down at about 500 ppfd It just you get less and less so it becomes not profitable to think about it in an economic sense to to reach sort of the absolute limits in those um but yeah that sounds that sounds about right
0: so as a summary i just want to touch back with spartan and you guys are both under led lights would that be correct yes Okay, yes. and then next up we've got Noah Vigroa, who I believe is under HPS. and Noah, what is your light cycle
1: for uh, Veg and for flower?
2: Um, I'm really close to what Doc
1: does. Uh, I, I do sometimes I do a little bit more, sometimes I do a little bit less, but I probably ride right around 24. and then my flower room is exclusively twelve twelve. I've never I've known people that do thirteen, eleven. But, uh, yeah, no, twelve twelve has always been the sweet spot for me. And like uh, like Spartan said, I'm not going to change it because uh, it's been so kind to of me over the years. So I'm not changing anything. You know, I've been doing it for a long time that way. So
0: I think that's smart. Honestly, I mean, I really like the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if you're having success, um, there's a pretty large amount of risk to drastically change to a new system entirely, especially if you're talking about, like, light which is one of the most important aspects of the grow photosynthesis. I mean, photo, it's talking about light. So if you're changing the amount of light that you're giving, you can change the amount of photosynthesis that can happen in that daytime. And that's going to change how much yield and growth is able to occur and all that other stuff. So it's definitely an interesting uh, topic. So I'm glad that everybody started getting to weigh in. And I believe next up would be Kyle.
5: Uh, Yeah, so I definitely push the uh, same thing that Doc and Noah do. Uh, I feel like it just gives it a little more oomph in regards of uh, speed. Uh, But when I transition in the flower, and only because I'm in like confined heights, you know, so I'm limited in regards of space, in regards of height, uh, I kind of do the exact opposite of what I'm doing in veg for probably like four or five days. So I'll do four on and like 20 off. Uh, which seems probably cuckoo to some people, but I've just noticed it's—I uh, I just have less stretch when I do that. It's just something I've been kind of playing around with, and I've just seen results for what what what, I, what I'm doing. Uh, but after that, I go directly back to uh, twelve and twelve. So
0: you used to uh, mess around with like a two or three day dark period to transition, right? And you said that that would also help reduce the stretch. Did, is there a reason you switched off of doing that? And uh, what are the changes you've noticed?
5: Yeah, so I did that with uh, Princess Elsa and I did a side-by-side comparison because I thought it was all kind of fake, you know, so I had one tent that was just regular 12 and 12, and then I did a three, day. I think it was either two or three full days of dark, and one literally got tall and stretched, and the other one literally stayed short and squat, and I was like, wow, okay, I guess the guy wasn't a a weirdo because it actually worked, and then I tried it on some land race, and they all died. Uh, I'm not sure just because they weren't as adaptable you know i'm not sure the the two three behind all that of why because i did it to the tie i had and the tie was already kind of really not happy being indoors under artificial lighting anyways um and then i just didn't proceed with further testing i just kind of went back to whatever i was doing but uh it is something that i am still interested in and should probably still play around with at some point but uh is that four
0: hour first few days while you transition sort of a uh half measure to between going complete darkness and like going straight to 1212, 12, it kind of gives a little bit of light. So if you had something like the tie, it's not just going to die because it at least has four hours of light before you flip to 12.
5: Yeah, I've just noticed, uh, like most the most recent one, like they were super tall and I, I haven't and I hadn't flipped them yet. I'm like, Jesus, like, what am I going to do? You know, so I think, like, well, maybe I can play around with the lighting schedule. So yeah, I just basically, uh, put it on instead of going directly 12 and 12, I, I just gave them just a little bit of light just so they wouldn't die. Right. Just so they had some energy and then just put them in pure dark. And I did notice they barely, they really didn't stretch at all, man. And I really didn't have much room in that tent and they, they finished pretty well. So, uh, you know, I guess just it worked for me on that run and I, it's just, I might be kind of sticking with that. I haven't, I, I can't sit here and say hundred percent like that. How long did you
1: run that cycle for just till stretch was over and then. Yeah, I did there. it for oh, like a week. I did it for like a week. week.
5: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I only have my, you know, my, t- all my breeding tents are like six foot six and they were already at like, I don't know, four feet or something. So, and, you know, okay. yeah. So I, I was like in a crisis mode. So I was like, I got to try something. And, uh, they finished really, really well. I mean, they weren't even jamming into the lights or nothing. So I think there's kind of something with that.
2: I don't know. if yeah, You're problem. probably stunting them to some extent. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't sure. doubt that starving the li- the plants from light will get them to grow less. But I I do. I mean, we've had this conversation, I think, before, but I wonder why that's the goal. Like, we want our plants to grow a lot. But I just want to add, darkness is definitely stressful for plants. So, if you're looking to reduce the stress, um, you know, putting them into extended darkness like that is going to stress them out. Now, I know that you like to sort of stress your plants out also and, and, you know, make sure that they're going to be solid genetically in in that way. Um, but generally, yeah, I do the exact opposite in terms of going into the flip. I walk them gradually and extend the darkness gradually day by day. Um, and, you know, cognizant that plants will just kind of freak out if they're suddenly plunged into darkness that they're not expecting to.
0: If it's not an extended darkness like how we would have in a veg, whether it's 20 on, 4 off, 18, 6, 17, 7, whatever, um, are there, benefits happening at the dark or is it always going to be stressful as soon as that light kicks off like i feel like it, it translocates nutrients for the and water plant and
2: they you know a good way to think about this is plants are evolved to survive darkness so they're not making new energy for themselves they need to u- rely on stored energy to power life during the dark period and they store energy for that purpose And we've had several studies that show by the end of what the plant expects to be the dark period, they've used 95% of that energy. So they're, they're running on fumes. And if the sun doesn't come out again, or the lights don't turn on again, they have to go into sort of crisis mode and they have to start allocating energy that wasn't initially allocated for basic sort of life support functions. Um, The longer you leave them in that state sort of, the more it will affect their growth. And I think that's some of what Kyle observed with them you know not growing much after having gone through that. Um, but yeah, the plants basically, they get into a rhythm and they know how long the dark period is going to be, and they plan for it. They store this energy for it. And if you go extending that too long, it leaves them sort of without energy to live and they have to respond.
0: Or die in some cases, which uh, if you leave them in the dark. Yeah, which literally kill them you
2: Right, exactly. Exactly.
3: Yeah, and like, I really like how you put that, uh, Dr. MJ, because, you know, that's kind of the same way that we look at like that uh, immune system profile that plants have when they are reacting to like detections of pests and that sort of a thing. They have like stored energy. Hey, a lot of it, like we've talked about many times goes into the soil, goes into the root zone as a sink, goes into fruits, right, if they're, if they're making fruits. Um, and, and then, of course, in the, in the roots, there has an effect on, like, the microbiome and the rhizosphere and that sort of thing. But also, like, when they get attacked by something or they perceive something as a threat, they have a, a, a totally a growth response. But if they're already stressed in one direction, maybe, you know, they're not very hydrated, they're desiccated, you know, it's very dry out, maybe it's, the sun is very um, relentless, you know, all these other kinds of things can be happening at the same time. So plants have had to evolve, like you said, sort of survive these things that happen. And just because they survive, it doesn't mean that they're like, you know, doing amazingly well. Um, Surviving you know is the I mean? same as thriving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: Right. That's like a lot of drought tolerant plants. It's like the plant would probably be a hell of a lot happier if it got plenty of water and would grow a lot bigger, but it will survive. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
0: yeah. Like you don't ever see a uh, feral hemp growing in a dry field. That's like out yielding somebody who's commercially cultivating crops in like greenhouses. If you look at like grams per square foot or whatever, and uh, right. that's for a reason.
3: I mean, heck uh, even in, in like, as I understand it, a lot of the like uh, non-cultivated, whether it's feral or t- or technically actually wild, I think there's a debate about that, that I'm not super qualified to, to talk about. I just read the research reports. <laughs> but, um, you know, in those states, when they're not being like domesticated and cultivated intensely, like they don't even make the cannabinoids and terpenes to the levels that we would enjoy. So like in that way, it's all kind of artificial
0: not yeah people like- get headaches from smoking it the ditch weed it it's like can't get you high for the most part but the american <laughs> one we've uh, gone around and a few of us have shared our light cycles and i'm curious to hear what do you do for lighting uh as far as actually kyle one thing i didn't touch on was what type of lighting are you using leds or something else uh
5: yeah i just have some uh i mean dr mj might be mad but i have just like some uh not mad but uh i just have some like nothing that good in any of my tents just stuff that uh, just basically gets, gets the job done i mean if i was like cultivating for flower and, and i'm sure it does matter too maybe for breeding i'm sure there's probably stuff that might be beneficial i'm not too sure but uh i just have stuff that just gets the job done but uh, leds is the
0: nervousness that you're using blurb blurples and, and you don't want to talk about it
5: oh no no but i like blurples i mean they work well the only reason why i don't use the only reason why i probably don't use those was, is a i mean they're kind of somewhat outdated but b uh you, you, they take horrible pictures <laughs> so yeah it's tough in our um, eyes that's too. a good point actually. hard to detect
0: plant pests uh problems or even nutrient deficiencies and things like that i've so- had
5: good results with that shit man i mean not, it wasn't even that long ago i had like one set left and i was still beautiful them because they it was decent you know i
2: don't know i've seen people yeah, kill yeah, it under them. judgment freak i'm not gonna i'm not gonna harangue you about the the type of light that you got That's I fine. Know, I know. <laughs> better Our than polls. dumping it
0: in a landfill right you know, it's yes. really about
2: PPFD, guys. It's not about whether they're blurple or not. The problem with a lot of the blurples was that they just lied about how much light yeah, they exactly. put out, and they're not very efficient. But, you know, the quality of light, like Kyle says, is terrible for pictures, but the plants do fine under it if you have enough of it.
0: You mean my 10,000-watt Amazon LED that actually draws 100? <laughs> right. yeah. same as 10, 1,000-watt HPSs? I've been fooled. Exactly.
2: No, you've been fooled. That that yeah, God. You know, it's got a that lot market. better. But that I mean, and I think new growers think that we're just sort of making this up, that like, no, that's really how like all LEDs used to be sold, which is like ridiculous claims like that. Yeah, everything's thousand watt, two thousand watt, thousand watt. Yeah, like a, a stupid little hundred watt light that they're advertising as a replacement for a thousand watt double ended. And the problem there was a lot of growers believed it and sort of put, were way under lit for their space. Um, and that's where a, a lot of our uh, kind of cut our teeth too. In, in certain senses, especially with LEDs, and that's where a, a lot of the the ideas about more light is always better. Um, because everybody didn't have enough.
3: But- you know, um, I it's just this is just a, a, a really funny example of what you're where you're talking about with people not knowing better or like just believing that they were what they were. Um I had a a, a friend of mine, um they got a a little 18650 lithium-ion battery, and don't worry, I'm going somewhere with this. Um basically uh, they were very curious why it wasn't working and they, and they knew that they, they, they'd asked for a system. Like these are like the, the batteries you use to like power like a vape mod or something like that. And I took a look at it and it says, and I actually have it with me here, uh, 9,900 milliamp hours. And there's no way in heck that <laughs> this small battery uh, has this uh, capacity. That um, just doesn't exist on the market. But they, they were swindled because I mean I'm reading it right now on the um, on the battery it all looks very official uh, plugs it into its thing doesn't work at all and it's because it doesn't even um, doesn't even get close to what a normal battery of its type would have and uh, that just exists out there and um, I don't know I should bring it to like trading workshops and stuff more to like drive home this point that like you know if you don't ask for data if you're not looking um, there are definitely absolutely products out there that look fine and they. They don't work so I really appreciate that. That's a yeah that sounds point.
2: like like an actual scam though, right? Like they're oh yeah this is an actual scam. Right. That,
0: that was some people may argue that was happening with lighting uh companies claiming yeah. higher than their actual efficiencies and then putting out lights with lower than that efficiencies i think it's funny that mars was (laughs) one of the bigger offenders of this early on has since become better and honest about what the wattage is actually drawing from the wall but you still have a little carryover in the names it's like the ts 3000 and it pulls 300 watts so at least they tell you now and at least they give you the diodes and the drivers and all that other information so um but you do definitely see Dude, the they have over. so
5: many reps at this point like everywhere it's like it's like crazy how many reps they are people that try and you know hey uh, i don't know
0: i said no to like 15 of them but the american one uh, we, you've been waiting patiently over there and we've got a few guests that i want to get to as well about their lighting uh, situations so Ty, what is uh your veg and flower routines and what kind of lights do you use
6: i've been using incandescent bulbs and candlelight for the past couple of weeks <laughs> now that don't work i've tried dr. it dr mj said he wouldn't judge so i figured i'd throw that out there.
8: <laughs>
3: awesome. oh, i love it i you love it you just got him
2: on that one <laughs> I love it. candlelight candlelight, candlelight. That's my favorite yeah, answer that's my I favorite answer i put the
6: aluminum foil on the ceiling so the light comes i got back a bunch down. of
3: fireflies and i put them in a bag and I hung it over the plants <laughs> <laughs> all right
6: so yeah but no uh, basically i have all uh leds in my veg spaces except for one cmh i mean uh just a regular metal halide, a little one, and I'm still using HPS for flower, but I use uh, 18 and 6 veg during the summer, and then I go to uh, 20 and 4 off for the winter. I believe that there's something about the 4 off. I mean, plants always get a little sleep in, and yeah, I think they deserve it, even if they were... Alaskan alaska natives which get 24 hours sometimes uh yeah so 24 and i was just going to mention like dr mj saying the vpd isn't that really useful of a tool but if you have all your cooling maxed out and the temperature you, you as much as you can do it only get down to 85 then you you want to know where you would want that humidity a little right so at least it's useful a little bit if you can't control yeah. one or well, you max out at one so yeah i just want to throw that out
2: I agree with that. I just think that yeah. both temperature and humidity are independently more important <laughs> yeah. than, than VPD. But if you're if up against you're the portable, wall... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Knowledge is power, absolutely.
5: Yeah. Are we? I have a question for, I guess, everybody. Is there still a debate whether using HPS, which uh, in theory yields better, but yet you're pumping out costs to cool that room versus just going LED and not having... I mean, is there like a whole... Is wait, there an answer between those two styles?
2: Yeah. Most HPS does
5: not go. yield better. It doesn't yield better. <laughs> okay. Per, per oh, watt. Really? Yeah, per
0: it depends on, I mean, some of the really high-end HPS are over two micromoles per joule, and that's better than some lower-end LEDs. But for the most part, uh, the modern LEDs, like the Grandmaster Levels LEDs were mentioned earlier, and I'll actually even just quote some from, like, Geek Beasts that Dr. MJ has tested. I've seen the PPFD readings. I've seen the tests be done and they're a significant amount more efficient as far as putting out PPFD within the PAR range, the 400 to 700 range. And there's right. even a little bit of the EPAR, the extended PAR range or, or biologically plant active radiation and some call it B-PAR. Um, and those even with white full spectrum lights, you're getting small chunks of that on either end, the blues and the red. So,
2: um, so those are different, you know, that check, right? E-par and P-bar.
0: Yeah. They're a slightly different range, right? The uh,
2: Yeah, but they're measured. Well, EPAR is for photosynthesis specifically, and P-bar plant biologically active radiation is really thinking about the non-photosynthetic reactions that plants have to light um, usually outside of the par ra- wavelengths, but not entirely. They have some non-photosynthetic reactions to light within the the PAR wavelengths as well.
0: Like some of the blues are similar to the responses that they get from some of the UVs. Like 440 nanometer blue is similar to some of the lower intensity UVs, like UVA, I believe. Right, right,
2: right. Yeah. And but it's just whether you're like, paying attention to it for photosynthesis or for other sort of reactions that the plant can have.
0: I think it's more for the reactions. Like you're trying to get a certain stress response to right. like increased terpene or cannabinoid production uh, or um, anthocyanin production were the two and anthocyanin and terpenes were the ones that I saw examined with the blue lighting, but um, there's still a lot of research to be done.
2: Blue and, and then, UV, right? For yeah, yeah, as well.
0: But the bug uh, Bugbee has been pretty outspoken against UV saying yep. that all the research that he's done and they've tried to like give it a ton, try to give it a little. All the research that they've tried to do with UV, they haven't been able to find positive benefits for terpene or cannabinoid production in their labs. That's not to say that it's not possible. I agree. UV benefits. Yeah,
2: no, I've said that before, too. I think until we get sort of better research that shows that it does something, people ask me, like, how much UV do I need? I'm like, none. As far as we can tell, like, there's no sort of there's no good science to rely on for using UV to like spike cannabinoid production, using it during flowering when a lot of growers think that there is.
0: Right. And who knows what else in the sun's spectrum might be benefiting. That is not in the grow light that people are maybe missing or trying to search for and add in there, but uh, I'll pass it to Mackie first and ask what kind of grow lights do you use and what's your preferred veg and flower cycle?
7: I like to keep it simple, man. I just have, well, I have two, grow tents i have two four by fours one of them is my flower tent and that's got a a light from invisible sun called the ish 530 br it's got some blue and red in there it's real nice light quality light and in my other tent which is more like a veg tent and i grow my autos in there too that's got a mars hydro ts 2000 and i I just like to keep things simple man as simple as possible because it's just easier to run things that way and i'll grow auto Flowering plants and I'll grow photo period plants as well. So I'll veg eight in one of the tents, like at the same time, four photos, four autos. And then when the plants get bigger, the photos get moved over into the flowering tent under the ISH 530. And the auto flowers stay underneath the TS 2000 and remain the rest of their life out there on 18.6. And the flowering tent is obviously on 12.12. And you just keep it simple like that, and you can keep a good good run just going over and over. I like to keep it as simple as possible because it's just, it's simple that way, isn't it? It's less likely you're going to
0: fuck things up. It's nice when you've got a system. Um, my dad used to always say the system is the solution. So mm-hmm. if you can make a system for something, that's the, the solution to your problem, right? You've got your autos. Spartan Grown, I believe, also does the auto flowers in the veg tent. And if you can get yourself some flour out of your veg space, then hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people like to hate on autos, but. Uh, I think that there's definitely a use case for them that maybe being it right there or interplanting between photo periods and greenhouses and outdoor settings where you get a crop, a bumper they're, crop, some call it. They're period. cannabis plants in there. It, it doesn't matter what they are. As long as they produce some good buds. So good. Yeah. There's going to have terpenes and, and medicine in there for the people and it can come and grow some relatively. autos, everybody. <laughs> yep. There's been a lot of hate definitely flying around still to this day. And yeah, I think yeah. it's probably less but deserving. They, they
7: did used to be terrible though. I mentioned this the other day on well, a couple of weeks ago on our show, how the 10 years ago, I grew some, it was called sweet mango and it, it was an auto flower, but it was just dreadful. It turned out absolutely shocking. And you can see if people were growing back then, back in the day when autos were bad, yeah, you can see why they can be deterred from growing them again. But if if you try them nowadays, the, the photo period plants and the auto auto plants are hard to start the difference from when you come to the final product. It's just if you want to grow big monster bushes, then you can grow photo period and veg them for a while. But if you want something done quick, which would still be high quality,
0: autos are perfect, man. It's 18.6 the whole way and, and you'll be good. Breeder definitely matters there uh, as well because I know that there's some yeah, breeders yeah. that are a lot further along. I know Mephistos Genetics is a popular one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mandalorian, mm-hmm. previously now, Gnome Automatics is a uh, popular Night Owl seeds. I know 2020 Mendocino's been crushing it. Humboldt Seed Company and Humboldt Seed Organization both have put out some respectable auto that I've been Dutch able to passion, enjoy. Dutch, Dutch Passion, man.
7: Dutch Passion. Yeah. They have a strain called Auto Colorado Cookies, and that's the shit, man. It takes 100 days from start to finish. And- Get yeah, left with
0: four or five ounces of high quality buds, man. One Which of them is. did a study. I think it might have been Dutch Passion, and they claimed that twenty on, four off was their most successful. But I really think that comes down to not only the intensity uh, and duration, but also the spectrum. A, a lot of
7: things go into it. You know, it's, cannabis growing is more like an art form rather than a science because so many people do so many things. There's a that. Le- I think
0: it's called Lieberg's Law of Minimums. Though there's like the bucket. And there's all the little slats and like one slat might be CO2, one is nitrogen, one mm-hmm. is phosphorus, one is potassium, one right. is whatever. And then mm-hmm. whatever that minimum one, that's like only how high your buckets can be filled to. So like if your light is only at, let's mm-hmm. say, 300 PPFD, even if you've got the perfect nutrients, even if you've got the perfect airflow, perfect everything else, if yeah, sure. you're just not yeah. running enough light, you're not going to get as much yield as you might yeah. be able to As if you increase that one uh, minimum, I guess uh, – I'd say
7: light is definitely the most important factor. Yeah, having a good grow light. And I agree. I'm sure many of the people on the panel here agree, that LED has exceeded how good HPS is. I mean, 10 years ago, it was different. HPS was still king, but now you can get LED lights. that Not not blow HPS out the water, but for their efficiency and the light spectrum that they give to plants. It's just... You can't Even once
0: it. they hit the same, like let's say uh, it was two... Um, micromoles per joule or, or PPFD per watt, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it 2.0. And that'd be like the high end for most HPS, like double-ended, like the better stuff. Single-ended yeah. is like 1.3 to 1.7 and like micro and, and Docker MPS mm-hmm. testings from what I've seen. But it depends even on if they're the same there's no bulb replacement with led and the bulbs Mm -hmm. that have mercury in them not everybody's disposing of them properly and even if you try to dispose of it properly you're kind of hoping that the people at the facilities are taking care of all that appropriately where an led you could give it to a friend you could make it your veg light after a while you could i mean use it for a few years before you have to get rid of it or throw it out so that environmentally just makes it more sound somebody mentioned there in the chat
7: the holzberg said 315 or c 630 cmh that CMH, man, that's some high quality lighting.
0: I love them. I used to go with CMH um, a little bit too much heat for my space and too much uh, power for my space, but they Mm -hmm. rock. Plants seem really happy under them. And unlike an LED, which has like kind of a narrow band in that 400 to 700 uh, HID bulbs, whether it's um, HPS, they have stuff in like the IR, like heat radiation, like above 800 nanometers, which is like not even visible light. It's just like a heat lamp would be at a a restaurant Mm -hmm. to keep uh, food warm. And then the CMH has less of that, but it also yeah. has some of the small spikes of UVs and uh, things outside of the uh, 400 to
2: 700 aspect of, of that shipment. But I had no
0: I
7: especially. don't have any
2: reason to believe that much of that stuff is really helpful. But yeah, it is. It is. I, had a,
4: I had a friend, and one of his light bulbs broke, and his whole crop failed for mercury. Oh, I believe.
0: Oh, and it, it, I've also seen it burn down people's grow. One of my uh, old mentors gave me like a 10k finishing bulb for the same He's like, yeah, but I heard these things sometimes blow up and like catch on fire. So I never actually used it just stayed in the, in the box that he gave it to me. But uh, with that said, I want to introduce Russ Brandon. Uh, he joined us a little bit late. So Brandon, you could introduce yourself. We're talking about lighting schedules. And uh, then I'm gonna have monkey t- tell us his lighting. Uh, schedule we'll have you do yours
4: oh i can i can fill you in on some cool stuff anyway i'm brandon rust if you guys aren't familiar um you can find my instagram profile the same name right there on the bottom left hand corner rust.brandon and then you can also stop by bokashi earthworks.com for microbes fertilizers i'll have soil available soon um all kinds of cool stuff going on
0: and stuff for sure, and uh, if you're not familiar already, we've got Mackie and Monkey with us from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. I'm going to pass it over to Monkey, who is going to tell us about his uh, the lighting that he uses and the lighting schedule that he uses for flower and veg.
8: Well, in my tents, the small tents, as they would be, it's all LED, and just so happens between the two shows, I was having to rehang a light in the tent, so I actually did check some numbers. <laughs> So on veg, you know, I'm pretty much like Spartan. I'm 18.6 for veg. Uh, started that way. It's never failed me. Why change it? You know, it's one of those deals. Um, I don't use a parameter to check the light levels in veg. That's more eyeball that thing. You know, if she's stretching too much, down either way. But I mean, I can pretty much read the... Read your veg pretty well uh, for flower. Um, just so happens again when I hung the light, I did check it. It's running 850 on par, and because I was the last one to go, I did my homework assignment and I checked the DLI at 36.7. Uh, that's the first time I've ever done that. I don't use DLI to calculate anything. It's to me, it's it's not comfortable. Um, I'm just an old grower that started growing flowers and vegetables outside and just kind of learned what plants look like and I've pretty much taken this indoors and once I got used to the equipment and now that I have it dialed in um, the cheap home grow I mean the the high on homegrown way of doing it is keep it simple and uh, that's pretty much what I do I 18.6 for veg 12.12 for flower Uh, somewhere around between 700 to 1,000 par level for flower and all under LEDs, basic stuff. I
0: think keeping it simple is uh, very – go ahead, Tal. I'm sorry I cut you off. I was just saying I love
6: the smoke coming out out of him. It's like uh, his little uh, screen.
0: (laughs) It's awesome. It's a good one for sure. That's
7: not his avatar. That's actually him. He just sits really still.
8: Yeah, really. <laughs> I'm happy that he's actually being. True you equation. can actually see
0: him on the uh, YouTube. Sometimes people have like cool little logos or backgrounds, like the American one. We can see his actual icon, but on YouTube you don't see anything. You can just hear him. So um, we got an update there with the logo monkey. Uh cool yeah, stuff monkey works. But uh, Brandon, I wanted to give you the opportunity because it sounded like you have some interesting information, maybe some recent updates about lighting. So wh- what kind of lights are you growing under? I know in the past, actually, when I first met you, you were using CMH the 315s. Yeah kind of spread out so uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about about your experience with those and then uh how it's different than led and then your uh time on versus time off for veg and flower
4: okay so i've always since since i very first started uh have grown with mixed light and it was usually checkerboard patterns between hps and metal halide bulbs and uh, it wasn't even my setup it was the guys that taught me and so i just replicated that forever in 2014, I switched all over to CMH lights. And uh, I was running those since that same time period. I I was running my veg at um, eight hours off and then 16 hours on. And uh, But what I've come to realize using LEDs is you can meet uh, your DLI in a Faster period of time, and as long as you don't let those. Okay, so what what's controlling the photoperiodism is the dark time, because the there are proteins that build up in the presence of light, and then they degrade in the presence of dark. And if these things don't fully degrade um, in the presence of darkness, then they'll keep staying in a vegetative. The so longer uh, dark period time. The more it has for these proteins to degre- degrade, and then it signals that it's time for that thing to start its reproductive cycle. So that this, like, you can reach, um, uh, you can reach your DLI period of time, and as long as you don't let those proteins completely degrade, all you have to do is switch the light on for a little bit. You could essentially, and you're probably going to see this more in uh, commercial cultivation. People who want to decrease there. Um, cons- uh, power consumption is that they're going to start figuring out the dlis for specific varieties and then they'll be able to see uh, how long they can keep them in the dark before they actually start to flower so that and and there's there is already information other plants and you can see this kind of also hap- how it happens in nature like um, during the seasons, they change and the light intensity changes and you're not often always getting a, a really bright, intense, um, light into, until you're like later in the season and at certain periods of the day. And it's kind of that same concept. If they have an adequate amount of light for a long enough period of time, they'll be able to build up a high quantity of those PR proteins into PFR. And then that PFR degrades back to the PR protein. Um, and it just cycles like that. So uh, that's one thing that you can take into consideration that people were looking more at with uh, com- uh, commercial lighting for, you know, energy. Joe,
0: energy. Joe Pietri, um, or Joe P I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he's been recently talking on the skunk fan podcast about, he promotes what some people call the gas lantern routine. He calls it the 12 on one off um, paradigm. And he believes that for his veg to like, you're talking about, All you need to do is interrupt the dark cycle. So he'll go 12 hours on for his veg and then wait five hours darkness. And in the middle of the night, turn the lights on for one hour. And that breaks up the dark cycle, preventing them from going into flower. And then you go and five not, hours and, and so,
2: But it gives lower DLI. I mean, it gives less time to grow, right? So you're you're right. reducing the growth potential. No.
0: So I don't no, no, agree no. with it for indoor no, it, cultivation. It, it, but for what right, Brandon here. was talking about and what he's talking about is like greenhouse cultivation. People who grow chrysanthemums, right? They'll right. do this because they're trying to get the lowest cost of production possible. They're not trying to maximize. Yeah, yeah. if you're
2: just supplementing okay. the sun and using the sun so, for your primary light, I agree.
4: So here's the thing. So given that it has access to the right nutrition in that specific period of time that they are photosynthetically active and they're receiving that light. Yeah. My understanding is like this. They will build up all of the enzymes and all of the proteins and all of the things that they're doing while they're photosynthesizing. And then they'll kind of stop. Like they're, they're limited in the amount that they can actually produce and it's not, and it's, that, that's that was, not that's,
2: true. I mean, unless they run out of something, Brandon. So if they run out of nitrogen, then then they run out. Yeah. And then that's going to become the limiting factor. That's the the plank in, in Jack's little tub holding in the water. But you know, as long as all of their needs are met, they don't they don't meet some sort of photosynthetic threshold where they can't continue to photosynthesize anymore. There's no 24 hour sort of limit on that. There are second-by-second no, second limits based on availability of water, nutrients, light, carbon dioxide, stuff like that. Well, you can see, like, if you have a plant that has all the proper nutrition,
4: the environmental conditions, but you never turn the light off, you can see things like light stress. And it's because the plant is, like, still in a active state when it wants to really be in a, in, a, in a different state, so it has a different set of processes that are, that are happening
2: that's not what the, the studies that have really looked at in sort of day length with cannabis have, have shown. So there are stresses and some plants do better than, than with 24 hours zero than others, but it, it's not because of sort of running out of ability to photosynthesize um it, it can be you know other parameters getting out of range and i agree having a dark period most plants seem to like having at least a, a nominal dark period to establish a cycle in in the 24-hour day um you'll, you'll so i'm see, not i'm not really arguing that point you'll yeah. see
4: less stress that way too if like i've always run like about you know 16-hour veg but if i'm running my lights more intense i could drop that down and i get a benefit because the plant isn't as stressed
2: they're not exactly you can't just trade ppfd for duration we were talking about this before you came on the air actually and and sort of deeper into that issue at least my thoughts on dli um well it's duration and density are not are not not trading
4: That's what they're talking about is that that dark period has to be broken up so that those proteins don't completely. The dark
2: period has to be broken up if you want to give more than 12 hours of darkness and, and keep your plants in a vegetative state. But the question is why do you want to give your plants more than 12 hours of darkness? If you're trying to grow them, it's not going to grow them any faster. So I agree that it is an effective way to give your plants less or more than 12 hours of darkness and keep them from going into flowering. But I, I think the the uses for that are limited because it's not it's not efficient to time. You're you're slowing down growth. And certainly like in a commercial setting we don't ever want to to slow the plants down. You want to to sort of time everything. So you do everything on time and it finishes on time and it's ready to go on time. If, if you find yourself, you know, thinking, I I want to grow my plants slower, you should just like start later or something like that. I mean, that's what I would advise a commercial client.
0: So one of the theories, I guess, to support Joe's stance, and I'm actually with Dr. MJ on this. I think that the plants can, and do take more light and we'll be able to handle a whole 12 hour light cycle for like flower, for example. But he's suggesting even in flower to drop, not do 12, 12, he's like 12, one veg. And then I think he suggests between six and eight hours of light for flower, because he says most places, if you look at their direct sunlight, get eight hours or less of sun
2: per day. And, and see, the flaw there is why are you trying to mimic what happens outdoors? we're growing indoors and we're sort of more limited by what the plants can handle than like what they typically deal with in nature. We're really actually trying to improve that with like stationary lighting, for example. Um, plants absolutely are able to ha- harvest um, more photons at lower densities in an indoor grow setting than they are outdoors. So I I don't really want my plants to have, you know, six hours of suboptimal lighting, a few hours of overly intense lighting, and then like, you know, another four hours of of inadequate lighting on the other side. Um, We can demonstrably grow plants faster, bigger, and healthier by, you know, keeping them under steady lighting during that, that period. So, I be you know, I question the, the scientific evidence or knowledge that starts from the perspective of we have to duplicate what happens outdoors, because I really don't believe that, that that's the direction that the indoor horticulture goes in. I mean, we're making things sort of different, but better in a lot of ways.
0: That's the goal, right? At least, I mean, like horticulture yeah. varies from nature, and like, what could we do to make nature the best possible? What's the best possible environment to get it to grow in? The best temperature, best humidity, best airflow. Because if you watch nature, you could say, "Oh, just do it like nature." But then, if you're in Oklahoma and there's a tornado, you're not going to replicate a tornado that's going to come and rip up all your crops and your facilities right. and throw them all around because we that doesn't make any sense. Locusts. Yeah, but yeah. So I'm with you totally on. We can try and optimize as much as possible to. Uh, what we find is best in the science, and from what we understand so far, it seems like that if you want to maximize production, that giving more light is one of the better avenues to do it. This individual seems more like their worry is that the cost of the pound is going to go down, and for people to want to stay in business in the commercial setting, if you're going to be doing outdoor or not outdoor, like greenhouse or even uh, indoor cultivation, they believe power is going to be one of the number one costs. And if you can't get your pound prices down to compete with the greenhouse and outdoor cultivation, then uh, you won't be You're able to
2: sell it. Directly hurt yield. I mean, the less light you give, particularly during well, the less light you give during veg, just slows the plants down. You're going to have to is- extend the the veg period which you're probably going to end up using more electricity in the long run, because it's not just the lights that you're dealing with. It's all the climate control equipment and all the rest of that. Plus the space that you're sort of occupying for that longer period of time. And then in flower, it's just going to directly lower your yield. I mean, you give your, your plants less light during the flowering period, you're going to get less flowers off of the plants at the end of it. And then this is the, one of the big advantages that nobody ever talks about with auto flowers is you can give them more light during the flowering period and absolutely get more more uh, harvest per square foot because of that.
0: One of the things I was gonna say is you've actually seen growers on cocoa for cannabis try this and compared to their previous grows, stunt the plants, lower yeah. the yields, slow down the growth rates, and have extremely negative experiences. So that was one of the reasons you investigated this kind of heavily in the past. And and we've talked about this a little bit in the past. Yeah. So that is an important implication, but to play a little bit of devil's advocate. The places where I could see it benefiting is where he's uh, advocating that people don't like, for example, if you have a greenhouse, uh, certain people uh, we refer to them as like Chad's, right? Where a Chad uh, is an investor whose parents have a bunch of money and they're not really from the cannabis scene, but they get into it. They don't know too much. So they hire a master grower and that master grower says, I read in High Times that the best veg is 24 hours on. And that's what we're going to do, even in a greenhouse. So they get a bunch of HPS and they run them all 24 hours on for their veg cycle when that increases the heat, that increases the cost of production massively. And they could get away with doing like the gas lantern routine in a greenhouse where they've got the sun supplementing most of the time and they don't need to run.
2: uh, I agree. I agree in in a greenhouse and you brought this up last time we talked about it. I think that's why it's called the gas lamp routine is that, you know, you'd go out with an actual lantern and like give your plants a little bit of, of light in the middle of the dark so that they wouldn't go into flowering or start off in flowering. That's often a problem in in Northern latitudes where you'd want to get the plants in the ground before the day lengths are long enough at that point, you know? Um, so I, I see uses for for it in those kind of settings. And if the an sun is your primary light, yeah, and then you know every little bit of secondary lighting because lighting is expensive. I'm not I'm not sort of knocking that either, but it's like trying to you know buy less gas for your car while you're still trying to drive as far. I mean, there's a limit to how much you can play that game and actually sort of get away with it
0: totally. And I think that one of the places it could be used is just like keep mothers as mothers or in like the nursery industry where they're growing any types of flowering plants, just to keep it out of flower for a longer period of time than they would in that season naturally. So it's got a a time and a place, but it's not like something that I think everybody should just broadly apply to their situation, especially if like everybody else on the panel, we went around, everybody shared their lighting uh, recommendation or current use and why it's working for them just fine. And uh, nobody's being forced to use the gas lantern regime. And everybody here seems to have uh, moderate amounts of success for their own cultivation. Otherwise, I think they wouldn't be doing it. I so.
7: don't know, mate. We, nowadays, with electricity prices going up the way they
0: are. I think we're all going to be forced for that gas lamp routine pretty soon, bro. <laughs> that could be. we got to get on the solar train, I guess. Um, Matthew Gates, I'm curious if you have any thoughts. You talked a little bit earlier about the uh, implications of maybe different uh, DLIs or just curious if you have thoughts on light cycles in general, Um, if there's past implications and things like that.
3: You know, talking about this always reminds me, not always, but it sometimes reminds me of like a long, long, long time ago, you know, cells were, uh, they had to exist in an environment very different from ours, we think. And like an an anaerobic environment, an environment where there wasn't even a lot of oxygen in the environment. Um, and then over time, tons of time, uh, those cells became, you know, those cells developed in uh, different environments, but, but we still have that machinery in our cells from that bygone era, those halcyon days of, of like a very radically different world. And that, the reason I bring this up is because with regards to like when we're talking about things like um, uh, plant sensitivity to darkness, scoto period, that kind of thing, and like the heritability of it, uh, genetically, like, um, I'm fascinated about the, of like, still like kind of how it even comes about, you know, what's happening physiologically to allow for it to happen. Um, I really, I do, I do want to echo what, uh, Dr. Coco was saying earlier, that it is kind of an eloquent way to put it that, um, you know, these organisms are trying to survive in an environment and they developed, with it being a certain way for a very long time, supposedly a long time, very, very long time ago, even the number of well, we might even time hours in a day was different oh, slightly. Um, and a bunch of other things like amount of oxygen in the environment and CO2 in the environment and again other gases. As far as pests are concerned, that sort of a thing. Um, I'd like to just remind people that, um, yeah, like the plant physiology does change quite a bit when you know depending on the plant from when it's daytime and photosynthesis is happening and when it's uh not happening and although i don't know if it happens a lot in cannabis uh myself i don't i don't think i've really encountered this at all but um there's something to be said of like the the assimilation of those sugars and how Sometimes even too much of those sugars can be kind of a bad thing. It processes a lot of uh, uh, the primary and secondary metabolism of the plant. Of course, that's very important, and um, you know the the more photosynthesis, generally, the better it is. But there could be a, there could be some situations where, um, if those sugars are assimilated, and you got a ton of them and they don't have a place to go, or 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 you have some sort of stressful event. Um, uh, what comes to my mind is like uh, an event where the irrigation isn't functioning very well, indoors, outdoors, whatever, if like water doesn't get to the plant, um, you know, quickly you can have an optimal environment become sort of suboptimal, even if you've done all this preparatory work in the first place. And I just feel like, you know, it's just important to think of it as a system of systems, you know, you gotta, you know, for the photosynthesis to work well and for you to get the product that you want, it's not just light, it's not just dark period. It's not just, um, you know, one of these many factors, even the abstract of DLI, uh, like Dr. Coco said, having you know, knowing the sum of those of, of that equation, knowing the, the, the inputs that, that give you the output of that equation, I think is kind of fundamentally better because it allows you to make um, more precise or sort of a more precise informed decision making process or an understanding. And I'm really glad that a lot of people are learning about that. You know, lately, VPD, I was working with somebody recently, I know Dr. Coco doesn't pay as much attention to it. And to be honest, a lot of times I don't as well. But I do know that it can have uh, a really, uh, it's a really helpful model for explaining how a very complex system works. And the more I work in this system, more work in this industry, the more I uh, have an appreciation for how complicated it is. And the map is not the terrain. And that's what I'll say about that.
2: I don't mean to be a total VPD hater. I, I understand. No, not that's at all. Me thing. neither. Oh, my, no, yeah. my point is really, like you're saying, it's it's the underlying, the temperature and humidity are both independently important, exactly. not just in their sort of combined impact on VPD. Um, yeah.
3: No, I agree. I think that's actually, that I would champion. I, I always champion people like asking questions and understanding, but why, like if somebody just learned VPD, but they don't understand kind of what that is then um i don't know like they can learn they can do so much more with like you say like the the knowing that it's these two things in combination you know and has this sort of effect so of course that's going to be better i think
2: nobody told me about my phantom that's crept onto my my screen there i'll have to to go wrestle the phantom hold on (laughs) i thought you're being held hostage by somebody you got a bag on your head or something
8: Oh boy! <laughs> There's hostages around. Oh my gosh! Uh,
6: uh, Matt, you got a question. I I understood some, some certain predator bugs don't uh, keep procreating under twelve and twelve. Is that a true or is that false?
3: Yeah, not just predators, but also um, also some pests. Like if the light changes, you know, like in nature, that's usually that's a sign of like a changing
2: of the environment
3: like a season right like what we'd call seasons and so um a lot of organisms not just plants have adapted to like respond to that um like they would go into torpor or diapause or like basically hibernate uh some predators are like that as well i remember a long time ago talking to a a biocontrol specialist and they were they were experimenting with some sort of uh, I can't remember if it was like a minute pirate bug or like a wasp or something I think it was like some sort of um, like a predator bug kind of like a like a like an orias or like a hamitra kind of with a proboscis and anyways they found that if you had green light um, if you put green light in the greenhouses then it would attract the the insects and it wouldn't affect like the you know, the plant's photosynthesis or it's a, um, I'm sorry, it's, a, it's a sort of circadian rhythm, you know, and that kind of thing. It wouldn't cause like problems for it. This was in cannabis, this in a different crop, but uh, yeah, it was a way for them to defeat the diapause problem. Uh, and basically what they were able to do is they could just put the lights in at night or at day. And basically wherever there was the pest that went after, I think it was white fly. Um, it would just work as like a, like a, like a beacon, <laughs> And uh, I don't know, I think that's kind of cool to sort of exploit. That's the kind of thing, if you know that information you can exploit those
8: interesting little details.
0: Well, I think we've uh, covered light a pretty fair amount for this evening. And I think maybe uh, now would be a good time to just uh, get to know our guests a little bit more. And uh, maybe, monkey, you could tell us uh, some of the strains that you're growing and some of the you know parts of cannabis that you're, interest you.
8: Oh, right now, what am I growing right now? Let's see. Uh, one tent's got Godbud in it. Another tent has got Strawberry Cough, and the third tent is got White Rhino in it right now. Uh, what interests me in cannabis is, I guess, just I, I'm more into the old school strains these days. You know, I'm, I'm still discovering old school strains that I haven't tried yet. And, to me, that's that's the most exciting part of what I do. Just new cultivars that, that everybody's talked about and I've never tried before. See, when you live in a in a very prohibition area, which I do, uh, y- you don't really have access. You know, when you when old school legacy market came around, when you went to try and buy something, you couldn't ask for something specific. Or well, yeah, I guess you could, but what you were going to get is what they had. You know, they'll call it anything else. Like yeah, it's all a Star Dog, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, you never ask for it because they'll say, Yep, I got it. Exactly. It's just reach in the other <laughs> pocket. Here it
8: he is, right here. Exactly what you want. No problem at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: the move was to ask if what they hey, what, what do you got?
8: <laughs> yeah, right. So these days, my sure. passion in the cannabis though is, is teaching new growers. I mean, that that's what I love to do the most is uh, teaching somebody who doesn't have any idea that they can do this and watching them come out with something that they have never ever dreamed that they can do. That that's I'll I'll do that every day, I'll I'll put all any kind of time into it just to see that just to have the reaction from the person first person that uh, tastes their first homegrown for their first time ever. I mean, that's 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 the payoff right there. And that's why Mackie and I do what we do. I mean, we just try and bring it into everybody's everybody's home. You know, you can do this too. anybody can do this. This is not not rocket science. This is cannabis growing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's what the government wants you to think don't don't they hey that's monkey what's doing? your
6: impression of the god bud just well uh
8: well i've never had the Godbud before but we have people that at, at percy's growing it all the time and i just happened to be out in oregon and met a guy that had had actual real seeds you know real regs that, that came down so i grabbed some and this is the first chance I've actually put them in the tent. They are beautiful plants. I'll have to say that. I love
1: yeah.
8: a beautiful structure on the plants. They're stacking like crazy right now. They're doing everything I could ask them. I'm looking forward to this one.
0: Tao's made a few crosses. Like, that, right? the yeah. Oh, God, mixed with uh, something.
6: Yeah. I had um, God Bud straight from uh, Jordan of the Islands that I crossed with Cheesequake. I called that one Godiva. And then From Jordan of the Islands, he had an offering of uh, God Bud by O.G. Kush, Mm -hmm. which he called O-God. So I crossed the O-God with the Cheesequake, too, which is and they're both very different. and They're both killer. And yeah, I uh, got to applaud uh, and uh, shout out Jordan of the Islands. All the all the stuff he's ever I've ever tried from him has been uh, if nothing else has been potent. He has a lot of shorter stout and uh, I don't know if it's me, but they seem to be like slow veggers. But um, once they get to a certain size, they beef up, and it's always frost-filled, good buds. So, yeah. Well,
8: that's what I'm seeing so far, everything you, you're talking about there. I mean, this this plant had just started flowering, just starting to show really nice, good white froze on it. And I'm already seeing trichomes, I mean, less than half a week in, so I'm going like, this is quality. I gotta you got some monster leaves,
6: work. too, I bet, right? Some fat leaves?
8: Actually, this one, you know, right now, the flowering leaves uh, are are really thin. I'm surprised by the the, the leaf structure right now. I don't know if it's what I'm feeding them or just the time frame right now, but I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen. Early on, they were big and fat, but they're changing as the flowering's going on right now.
6: I'm sure you'll enjoy it, yeah.
8: It's a fun plant to grow right now. I'm enjoying it. But like I said, I grow in small tents. I use the tents about the size, the same size that Jack uses. And sometimes that can get me into trouble because I don't have that overhead height.
0: I had an update. I know I haven't been here for a couple of weeks, but uh, I was kind of disappointed with maybe my results from the Farmer Freeman sex testing. Just thinking that I got a male and then I chopped the one plant down and then I found some pistols on it. And I was wondering, is it a Hermie? Is it a female? What's going on? Well, in my flower tent, the two larger plants, I almost had the same thing happen. The one plant on the left was like very clearly a female, long, like almost full inch long pistols or stigmas, the hairs that are poking out. It's clearly a female. You know, two weeks of flower. It's I've grown enough plants to know what a female looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the one next to it starts looking like a male, where um, if you've ever grown males before, they kind of get like a little like balls. Some people call them balls, the pollen sacs, And around them on the tops, it's not pistols, but stipules like these little, um, the things that kind of shoot out the side. It's like a green little like zigzag, like a kind of like a spike, I guess. And they're about the same size as pistols would be so when i've grown males in the past sometimes they look a little female-esque towards the top in early flower because they it's just like a round ball with a bunch of little tight dense clusters and then you see these little things shooting out of them i'm like oh is that a male is that a female well spartan said a few weeks ago maybe it's just a late developer late bloomer and so with the smaller plants i actually cut the one down i told you guys and then i grafted it came back to life and i had to go on a vacation and i was like i'm not going to risk it if it's a male i'm just killing it I'd, Don't want to make seeds this run. So in the flower tent, I have the two bigger plants and the same kind of thing was happening. But I'm like, well, I'm going to be here. I'm checking it every single day, morning, night, morning, night, every day. And um, I thought I was brought up my even my little jewelers loop. And I I was for sure seeing pistols down low. But up top, it was still kind of in that male-esque phase where I was like, is that a male? It it turns out it has like millimeter long pistols all over it now, like a week later. And it's clearly a full-blown female. But I think this would be the cookie leaner, I guess, like Fino's, because I've experienced this as those really, really tight like little buds. And it's not even like a golf ball. It's like a nickel. (laughs) Like It's a bunch of really tiny, really, 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 really dense. You almost can't see the pistols. You have to look right up on, and I have pretty good eyes, um, like from me to my mic to be able to see the Stigmas or pistols, whatever you want to call them, the hairs shooting out of the bud. So anybody, uh, who have grown the F2 Velvet punch, I'm going to be sending you the F3 testers. That's one of the warnings I'm going to give you. <laughs> Don't think that they're males. I actually reached out to all the people that didn't grow them. So I thought, and several of them were like, even at the F2, we're like, I got all males. So I'm wondering if maybe they had the same thought or mistake that I did, where they're just prematurely killing them. Uh, what's sometimes labeled as, um, undifferentiated growth. Yeah. I'll try and find the post from mean gene to, uh, show the thing from marijuana botany that highlights it but he said he's seen people kill thousands of plants only to find out later that they were actually females thinking that they were males so
1: yeah i will fucking have no problem cut, cutting down a fucking male but i wait to the last minute almost i want to make god damn sure before i cut it down that's uh, i'm real picky so i'll let them go i don't care i'll let them go for a while mm-hmm. and just keep a close eye on them you know i mean they don't just open like in an hour it's not like, yeah.
2: mm-hmm. like that. well, there are more borderline cases. I mean, there's some males where you're like, okay, this is this is a male. There's no question about For it. For sure. For sure. Um, it sounds like Jack was dealing with a much more borderline. And yeah, you gotta be suspicious. So I, I think you're probably right, Jack. I think probably some of the people that, that thought they got all males may have called early.
0: I was actually are, happy because a few people just grew them and then never posted anything. And they're like, Oh yeah, like I actually got some killer shit. (laughs) And I just never told you about it. Or uh, I grew it and uh, had to shut things down for one reason or another, but yeah, it was, it was cool. More, more of the people who got them grew them than I actually realized initially. So it was a good thing. So back to our guests. Yes, maybe we could get a little bit of an update from Percy. Not Percy, Mackie. Percy's Grove Room. Right. Always, we'll call him Percy. That's fine. Flipping yeah. <laughs> I know, I know
7: who you mean, man. It is not man. None way, of it I. is my real name, so yeah, that's true. Right. Just, just call, call him
3: Mackie. Percy's Grove Room. Just all one. That's like right. A big German word or something.
7: D- double barrel surname. That's what it is.
3: You know, uh, double uh, barrel I surname.
1: Really I like
8: him, that. You don't want to know that,
3: so Ricky <laughs> Bobby. But,
8: uh, do.
0: I like same, it. same question that we asked uh, Monkey or I asked Monkey is um, kind of what are you growing right now and what has uh, interested you in cannabis what, what's got you into it and what keeps you so excited about it
7: and I, I just enjoy growing really it's a nice hobby I, and I think a lot of people in the audience would agree but it, it's good for people's mental health to have something to focus on every day like this and I've pretty much grown every day for the last 12 years so a few years ago I wanted to make a cannabis forum that was specifically ran by its community rather than having any special interests or, you know, being run for profit or something like that. So I made Percy's Grow Room and I don't know, it's all just history from there really regarding my my interest in cannabis. So we also have the High on Homegrown podcast, which is from Room.com. So that definitely keeps my interest in cannabis peaked because we interview loads of different people all the time. A couple of times a week we have interviews with, Legends, man, crazy. like if you would have said two years ago, Mackie, you're going to be speaking to Jorge Cervantes pretty soon. And like you know, behave Steve D'Angelo and Ed Rosenthal and Tommy Chung will be on your show five times. You're going to celebrate his birthday with Tommy Chung. All, all this shit would have been like, you're crazy, man. But you know, here we are after interviewing all these legends. Right? I don't feel like I really deserve their time as much as they give it to us. It's crazy. <laughs>
0: We're fortunate, uh, thankfully, the weed. And cannabis community or whatever you want to refer to it as is a little bit smaller than i think a lot of us realize from the outside yeah, definitely. In, mm-hmm. there's only really so many people doing anything podcasting reading i mean there's a lot of people growing and consuming cannabis uh, but less so growing i mean we're any grower is part mm-hmm. of the very 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 small population of mm-hmm. people that actually grow cannabis and so- i think anybody who does consume cannabis even for medical
7: i mean if they can it- when they use it for medical use but for recreational use anybody consuming cannabis needs to grow some of their own just to get that experience and understand where the plant comes from you'll learn so much about it in just one grow it will change your whole perspective on the plant
0: itself and what cannabis is speaking of what it is and what it can be or what it isn't uh Sometimes you might think it's a male. This is from Marijuana Botany. This is the post that I was talking about on Mean Gene. This is from 190 weeks ago, so I had to scroll quite a while to find this. (laughs) Uh, But he's got it listed as Staminate Primordia, which goes down to Staminate Flower, which you can see here. I don't know if you guys can see my cursor. I'm circling the bottom left. Uh, That is a male pollen sac. Some people call them balls, but that's what I was describing kind of earlier. This one in the middle right here is what I was seeing. And at the top, you see the circle where it says undifferentiated veg- vegetative growth. It sort of looks like a ball. If you go to the left, they're pretty similar. And the only major change is uh, the pistols once they start sprouting out. And you can see th- this little line. I think that is what I was describing as i uh, I'm blanking on the term, actually. Um, but yeah, that you can like see you the, the female... Side, yeah. Stipule is the word I was using, but uh, pistolate calyx here for the female um so it kind of goes from top to bottom far right is female 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 all the way down middle is an undifferentiated growth where it can be tricky and you have to be patient and really look up close and uh try and identify them because yeah i mean i, I agree with what, what spartan said there just wait a little bit longer give it a couple more days and you'll be 100 sure especially if it's in veg i see people asking mm-hmm. me like yo uh is this a male or is this a female and they're like not showing anything it's just like a veg plant i'm like yeah is it in flower yet and they're like no I'm like, uh, how old is it They're like three weeks two weeks or whatever i'm like if it was an mm-hmm. auto maybe you'd be able to tell but most ask it why it identifies us <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah but uh that, that's definitely an interesting one there for me because I, I really like i said in the past i've had over a hundred tests at the Farmer freeman uh sex testing and a hundred of them were accurate and then i had like two that ended up being labeled as female that looked like a male to me and um Ended up chopping down one of the Amy aces the run before. So I'm wondering, that one might have been. I actually just like mixed up a sample, but I'm, I'm even questioning now was it a male or was it just a late bloomer? So, Why did you cut it down so soon? Why didn't you wait until you could be 100% sure? The one, um, most recently, the velvet punch, I had four plants. I thought all four of them were female and two were in like my veg space, which is smaller, and two were in the flower space. The two in the veg space, I flipped earlier and I went on. Uh, honeymoon slash not honeymoon like an anniversary vacation with my wife and it was at that time where like Spartan said they're not going to open in the next hour but if you're gone for like three or four days um, there's a lot more potential especially when it's right on the precipice they're like two or three weeks in they're starting to get that sort of look where I was like that looks like a lot of balls but it was a lot of just really tight dense flower clusters and when I the thing that was craziest to me was when I looked under the scope, how frost covered it was. I was like, if this was a male, it would have been like an amazing male to breed with, um, but it was just so frosty, and I couldn't find any pollen. I was just smashing them up in paper towels, and I was like splitting open what I thought were the uh, you know flower or pollen sacs. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. nothing inside it, so I was like, damn, I fucked up. But you know, sometimes you gotta better say than sorry. Yeah, yeah and, um, for sure, man. Not doing a seed run this time. I've done the F2 seed run. I've done the F3 seed run. So I'm not making F4s right now. I'm just doing my own in-house testing before I send them out to my uh, tester group.
7: Yeah, loads of people, well, the listeners from the show when you came on for the 420 session we had. And a couple of members of the forum as well. They've received seeds from you and they're going to pop some of them beans.
3: Good
0: stuff.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I sent out a bunch this year on 420. Anybody basically who asked if they're in the US, I was happy to send them to them. We did the snail race oh yeah that was a member member (laughs) petra farm members but uh anybody have uh thoughts or topics that maybe we haven't gotten to yet earlier i know matthew you mentioned you wanted to share with dr mj that really crazy overhyped light i don't know if you brought the link with you you could oh i have
3: the link it's already loaded
0: okay so uh doc we a few maybe like a month ago at this point we talked about this light and it, it made Pretty much every claim under the sun, other than we're better than the actual sun as a grow light. It was like making like harmonic frequency. Like, I'll let you see the actual. Oh, yes.
2: Yes. I remember this.
0: It's a very interesting
1: claim. It it.
2: It had patented grounding technology. Yes. Yes. I remember that. It's always a feature that I look for when I'm reviewing grow lights.
1: I wonder how that goes into the
2: energy efficiency. You should, as I figure.
3: <laughs> you should see if you can get a free one to test for them and
2: see oh, if I'm, you can uh, sure figure I that probably out. probably could, Matthew. But <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> that comes along with certain obligations then to like actually test it and put up yes. video and stuff. And then people are likely to buy it. So.
3: Oh, yeah, you know, that's true. That's true. You we'll don't want see. copycat
2: situations. We'll see. Yeah. But um, uh, what, what do you want
3: to ask about it? Well, here, let me share the screen.
2: Yeah.
3: All right. Uh, well, so so viewers from two weeks ago, we went over this a little bit um, already, but what there was a <laughs> there was um oh yeah this 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 was one of the um points of interest, contention the parmat yeah, points of contentions yes the parmat
2: okay what yeah. is Look just the, in the general yeah look at the
0: spread doc the corners versus the uh middle there you got 16 14 in the middle you've got 150 yeah. at the corner
2: yeah so there's no walls probably i don't see what the dimension <laughs> laser it's a laser straight down i don't see what the dimensions <laughs> are the, the the grid so it's really hard to be able to evaluate a par map mean is this a four by four or five by five or some Who other knows? shape? Yeah, that's a good
3: question, actually. I don't think we even brought that part up. There were other parts that just seemed so wonky.
2: Yeah, it's that, a huge drop off. So I would assume when I see that, that there's no reflective walls and that it's probably hung. Does it say how high it's hung? <laughs> These are important things to include when you're publishing <laughs> par maps is you know, like for the, the size of the test area and the hanging height of the fixed. <laughs> no, no, Doc. <laughs> Why they is that important, no doc? Or just, no laser. Just,
1: uh, just hey, drive that <laughs> Right. <laughs> the output automatically just when you use the laser, bro.
2: Right. And they're they're <laughs> terrible, right? Is said also, I mean, you wouldn't want it that hot in the middle and you wouldn't want it that cold on the...
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. That was kind of the summary we came to. And, and Matthew, if you can go back a few slides to the list of all the claims, that was a pretty good one. I think Doc will... Really enjoy uh, the ag light features. There we go.
2: This one, I think these yeah. actually, I think I've got emails from, from them wanting me oh my. to test them. Although, what's that I,
7: Earth Sense they're talking about? That Earth Sense, that shoe. Oh, yeah,
2: the Schumann resume, which Resonance. is a thing, but like,
3: that's uh, like, it's a, just uh, a thing. yeah, this is their <laughs> grounding
2: system that I was talking about. So it, there's like a, a cable, I guess, that goes out and you stick it in the soil.
7: Intelligent microprocessor-controlled grounding think, system. Yeah, it's generated. In,
2: it's injected <laughs> directly into the potted soil and environment. Uh, All I
3: know is that my brother's step, uh, step brother's pot. friend's mother. You know, like yeah. he took two Schumann resonances to the face, and <laughs> he was never the same again.
2: <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> yeah. He just
3: walked right through the field and. Like, yeah, I don't
2: know. Well, this is like the 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 vibrations, guys. There's cannabis is a magical plant and it leads to magical thinking. And <laughs> it leads it leads growers yeah. to want to believe that there's I some don't know, man. sort of I think, things like this that you might be able to do to like spike the the lemonade a little bit more. Like I think it's you more
7: acid that makes you think this way. You know the earth sense. Right. Yeah. definitely the light surgic
2: (laughs) but yeah like they want they're they're preying on sort of gullibility um (laughs) but i guess we're just sort of prone to be gullible a little bit because we're usually high and cannabis is magical so uh, you know i think that's why we're gonna keep seeing (laughs) like marketing like this to be honest with you social proof
8: is
3: a big thing you probably know this better than anyone but yeah it's uh uh, yeah. I mean, I looked at other people and if somebody else like came to me and I didn't know any better and they said, hey, this light is working fine for me. I might be like liable to say, well, why don't I try it out? Right. So Yeah. Really sells you're comparing it for me, two
2: different lights and one of them has a, a cable that you plug into the soil and the other one doesn't have a cable that you plug into the soil. <laughs> what well, are they doing wrong? You know, algorithm. Give me the one that's got the cable, you know. The major
7: like, selling point of this model is the easy click attachment. Look at that. You see, I hate, hate everything you go to about right. this.
1: I'm just gonna be completely honest. I hate. <laughs> <how> <laughs> <this> <laughs> I, I'm actually kind of surprised fits. that
4: they can even use that in their marketing because typically you have to be able to, yeah, like back up your claims on a product where it's like considered false advertising. You could potentially get
2: sued. They potentially mm, could, this is the photo fill is true. No Most so. true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you know yeah yeah that's i don't a good you question know what, I don't, what does that mean yeah. photophilies what's that photophilies they like that's,
3: light Spartan you were saying something earlier oh did you go you drop out
1: no i'm still here
3: oh no you're still there oh that's weird the um you, you count on me matthew i'm always here. i know exactly <laughs> oh well it's your internet connection i know that you're the noble one but you know you never know sometimes with these connections but you were saying something
1: i don't remember what i was saying
3: <laughs> it sounded like it was going to be kind of wise so i wanted to hear it
1: <laughs> oh about this oh this just yeah i was wanting to know about what's the connection here how, how does it impart disease resistance what is the laser
2: system in the first place though what are they talking about <laughs> is
0: it's that like cleaning. a, I, a so zero it's... watt somehow because it said 600 watt uh, without lasers and then it's said 600 watt with lasers so somehow the lasers are Adding a total of zero watts. If you go up, oh, yeah. just yeah. three sure
8: lasers, no problem. Laser. No,
0: is, each
1: unit's twenty-five watts of laser, dude.
0: But they're not even including that, and or maybe they're turning down the rest of the light, and then by fifty, and then they're upping. I'm, the I'm just guessing that laser. they're probably
2: not reporting the most accurate statistics, Jack. <laughs> I think the fact <laughs> that you're like, but this this wattage that they reported must be accurate. I think. Uh, I, That's probably yeah. true. I will say 660 <laughs> yeah. is a
0: good light if you want it to, a diode.
2: It doesn't have to be a laser. 660 nanometer What, the red. I what use is that the what is worship. the laser? What what kind of what are they shooting out of there with? What?
1: 660 nanometer and 450 nanometer. Yeah, so I mean are lasers. Are and yeah, lasers. but why use stupid. a laser? Is the
2: point? Yeah, what is the light? Wait, exactly the point. You mm-hmm. want the light to spread out, not to it like. Come oh, away, man, come later. Later. You don't want to beam like, oh, particularly oh, random parts of your plant with a laser of 660 <laughs> nanometer light. What the hell? Oh, that's <laughs> the insect
8: crystal, That's the insect man. repellent. That's it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know,
3: It's uh... <laughs> yeah, she's gonna laze them like uh...
1: <laughs> blind them. It's IPM. I'm sure it's an IPM. Exactly. Oh, that's, it's an that's
8: why you have the wire in the soil. It's part of the insect feature.
1: I looked at exactly. that. laser pointers
0: <laughs> yeah. don't grow plants very well. They did experiments <laughs> to see like for NASA's space station. If, if yeah,
7: the laser there's planets, loads of them on there. Work.
2: Oh my God. Yeah, no, I, we really <laughs> do want the light to spread out. I mean, you'd have to have, you'd have to have an entire like laser array and like, you know, beaming down. No, it just, it won't work. Like the point of what, a laser is that it's a beam it of light. that doesn't spread out.
6: Right. What if lasers are moving constantly across the canopy, man? I'm going to invent the light. I do kind of
3: like the idea of like a little AI, uh, um, scanning
8: lasers, right? Yeah. just oh like, yeah.
3: Like little moths and things I did. People were, people were found the, um, a lot of people at least found the, uh, that IR sensor system I shared on Instagram, really interesting where they use the drone and the yeah. propellers to just, um, eviscerate like Dude, a moth them up this. or something. Yeah. That's. And then, huh. and then like people were like, it was interesting to see some folks comments of, uh, You know, that it's just getting people, you know, making people distant and, uh, you know, separated from the earth and the natural environment and, you know, and I'm thinking to myself like
1: different I was thinking when is that fucking thing going to be man sized and chasing me down oh yeah, yeah that's see there's there
3: that's the, <laughs> <laughs> the man hacks from half-life are a real thing now i will, I will say word. from the practical yeah.
0: perspective the more realistic thing is like when you look at like parabug or who drops like beneficial insects onto a crop from a, a drone or these cameras that are using infrared or other camera technologies to see where a crop is either getting hot cold dry attacked by pests uh very vari- variations of different things for like an acre for most farmers not just cannabis but like food crops are i believe over 60 years old in the united states so having the ability for somebody who's older to not have to physically go out and walk or drive a tractor or do some of these other things when they could have a little rechargeable electronic drone um it's an efficiency thing like sure maybe there's gonna be less jobs hired but that person might just not hire those people at all and then do not do the scouting
2: Yeah, that's what's happening. Most farm workers aren't over 60. Most farm owners are, and family farm owners are are certainly aging, but they often hire in younger workers to do a bulk of the the heavy labor on a farm. And I feel
3: feel like that's a really good point that you make. I think that, you know, um, people really discount the fact that, like you say, uh, the population of farmers are aging and also um you know for one thing the the system there were two systems that they were talking about one was the the um just the monitor system and the other one was like the monitor system and the uh the uh, the drone i think they worked in, in parallel and these were moths which by the way are active at night when you're asleep so and there, and also it's it would be ludicrous like it was fascinating to me the number of people who are like or you could just look at your plants that's true. Um, I don't think you should just not look at your plans, but if you've got like an eye in the sky that's like literally scanning for these pests 24-7 and right. see something you happen to not, isn't that that could be really great if they lay yeah, it? Like that would be cool it's got a laser on
1: your beam planets.
7: on it. Well and that's well, exact, well, that
3: thing. Yeah, zap, zap. How's it, how it different than
1: a fucking filter that we've been using for fucking longer than I've been alive? Filters are the same <laughs> shit. You smat, you're sucking bugs against them and suffocating them against a the filter all day long. You're okay with that? So how can you be not? But laser beams, bro. Yeah, laser beams. It's more humane. It just zaps it's them amazing. right out. Of, they're done. Yeah, direct
0: that, they energy call the weapons. Dynatrap that uses like a uv thing that attracts bugs in there but matthew is saying kind of kills everything not just like the bad pest it attracts a bunch of stuff and kills them off but i know a sungrown 707 uses them to not get moths or caterpillars in his crop for a small little outdoor section that he's growing in so there's definitely interesting options out there for attracting and getting rid of pests
3: i definitely agree and um oh but and going back to this light i don't know how long I wanna... Spend on it, but uh, yeah, just going through some of these, they're just kind of interesting. Like, uh, um, I did find this kind of an interesting comment. This these sorts of parts here, where I think they're just describing how, like, if if it's photosynthesis if it's photosynthetic, or if it's getting pho- photosynthesis, these things happen. Right. Um. I'm. I mean. I don't know how it would be special for this particular model that wouldn't be happening to other ones. But just right. again, I'll,
2: I'll, I really all almost all of those claims as like compared to keeping your plants in the dark
3: right <laughs> well, that's the control I right? Guess, right it's the
2: increased yield you're gonna get better fruit it's gonna prevent diseases <laughs> like fruit. the plants aren't gonna die in less than a week like you know all of those things <laughs>
0: these are, are like true. sky is blue comments like the sky yes. is blue yes right compared to why Always.
2: compared to a right. <laughs> yeah dark closet so. like
0: it's blue if i use this light or if i use any other light but you're just kind of stating a, a scientific fact like kind of not right. really related to the light, but just seems nice. fancy. But it's got
3: like fancy wave wavelengths. Language I, I think I, I think this is a weapon in like the Star Trek. Oh
0: benchmarks. my god!
2: <laughs> <The> Magneto <Magnetohydrodynamic laughs> hydrodynamic wave water and nutrient
0: conditioners through the yeah, super yeah. Emerson effect. That's the first time I've seen that. That was claimed. my favorite. The super
2: Emerson. Yeah, super I, I like. Wait, wait, made wait! Motorized saber. AI optic robotic detection and movement arrays. Uh-huh. Oh geez automated really recovery protocols what publicity. skynet bro skynet <laughs> oh, yeah. that's well,
0: actually, you, walks around your show. house at night and it depends it's the your
7: singularity home.
8: genetic training i love that oh what It <laughs> you trains your plans for you faster genetic training the last quote.
0: <gasps>
7: yep.
8: it does
0: lst for you
8: <laughs> <laughs> no that's genetic training It'll, yeah, so if hurt. you're breeding and you want a
0: more purple plant, it'll get more purple after one generation. When you just, so just what is this is, that is like when you're learning
2: genes. about genetics, that's your genetic training.
0: It's
2: going <laughs> to train amazing. you faster.
0: It comes that's with that's a genetics amazing. textbook.
2: You're right. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> I love those <like, laughs> lessons there, like links to YouTube videos. <laughs> so, like, what oh, yeah. You too?
3: Here's, the, a, here's the technical stuff. I don't know. Um, you know, they, didn't, they still don't bring up, I think, all super accurate, I'm sure. Oh yes, probably. I have a um,
2: oh a it's pretty idea. so right off the bat, 2.3 micromoles per joule as a you know, a total or a sphere test number. That would be fine if it was from a par test, but that that's not a very efficient light. Well, well that's that's everything on the market more, is you higher than the that fucking,
1: right now. You got to run the ground to amplify. Your oh, power. right. And I forgot about all the power there. The
3: most
8: lasers. of it's, yeah. It's that the and the lasers the dirt that does It's the resonating trick, with the ground. You,
0: you guys are forgetting wire. you can hang it 27 feet high because it has lasers <laughs> and the hot spot is 13,000 in the middle. Wow. <laughs> I have the uh, Chandra et al. study, which is probably like the most, in my opinion, I think Doc might agree with me on this. As far yeah. as like cannabis research that's been done about lighting and cannabis plants, that's probably like one of the most uh, well conducted. And well uh, certainly, well, the
2: questions that they addressed—that's the the studies that we use to answer those questions that they addressed. They didn't address every question that we would want to, but yeah, that, that's an authoritative study for sure.
0: Some good ones for sure. And this uh, to answer your question, doc, it's a sixteen square foot coverage. So that's a four by four space for six hundred watt light. That's what we were expecting out of like a six hundred watt HPS back in the day. Uh, I think it would be a lot too much light for a four by four, especially with the sixteen hundred in the center that we were seeing earlier. Right.
3: System wide is just seven. Um yeah, six hundred and eighty five yeah. watts
2: is gonna be a lot to put into a four by four tent. Oh wow, seven fifteen. But it's not very efficient. $1. Oh, $1. that's
0: a different. That's a different. Uh, they this is fluence. That's the 685
1: versus they're, they're their. Shown, they're justifying $1. their amazing price tag because they're saying that you can use less of their lights to make the coverage, so it's really cheaper to buy their lights only 59,000
3: as opposed to 84. They have to pay more to rent. Yeah, I'm
1: buying one right now.
8: <laughs> oh man that's, those, eight, exactly. you know what I else they're, they're doing there though <laughs> did you
2: guys catch that they're giving they're giving you 8.1 grows per year instead of 6.5 because that's how much faster they're going i guess with these that's, like, oh the my my genetic my trading right
0: there i missed that that's one of the best claims that they've made yet yeah. i've never seen somebody pull eight i mean I mean, yeah, I mean six
2: point five is pretty aggressive, but... damn right. that's damn good.
0: You're cranking if you got six. Well, 6 that's a flower room only. Right. Wait, yeah. in the bottom corner they're claiming oh, eleven point 2, two faster. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> honestly,
1: yeah.
3: I mean, Almost how could you argue with faster. that number?
1: It's the point you two that in gets the bottom, me. I'm so. Bottom right, they're claiming eleven point two days faster to harvest. That's fucking approaching two weeks off your harvest. Yeah, right. Everybody would be running these lights.
2: Well, I mean, there's they just no way a, to do that. Y- yeah. Do no, we got to no. like, we gotta stop showing this. Somebody that's yes. watching is going to think that we're like talking about the best new thing in, in grill lights. They're going to have like the volume turned off. and They're going to be like, oh, wow, they really that's, this tag. Wow, like that's this. Wow, is the night. example. That's the worst, yeah, <laughs> that's the worst right. example
1: <laughs> that you can fucking see right there. How, how can they get away with that? It's showing that it, we still it, have market They just marketing get away fraud.
2: with it, man. It's like, go ahead and sue them. It's probably some, you know, company in China that has no U.S. footprint. Um, and n- nobody's gonna gonna bother, so they get away with, with saying any manner of stuff. Don't assume that the stuff that you know light companies or anybody else for that matter advertises is like you know run by some sort of you know sensor or something that like makes sure everything they say is valid before they're allowed to publish it. They just come up with all sorts of crazy stuff. It's, it's really got lasers,
7: bro, it's got <laughs> lasers, right? <laughs> like and the, the grounding cable scientists and are putting that
2: so, uh,
0: this is the Chandra et al. study. And I just referenced this uh, chart earlier, and it's just kind of nice to actually see it. Here's zero light. So, if you're not using a light, you're not going to grow anything. Big yeah. facts. So, uh, if you want to advertise against zero light, then you're going to have some nice marketable claims uh, 500 PPFD, 1000 PPFD, 1500 PPFD, where you're seeing like it gradually goes up, 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 and then you see it drop off to that 2,000. Are those
2: uh, those lines, Jack, in this, your graph, are they different concentrations of CO2 or are those just different cultivars?
0: This is a flux density and the other one is net photosynthesis. So how much is- No,
2: the, the triangle, circle, squares, the different lines that are being plotted there, they represent different data sets. I'm wondering if that is different strains. Cultivars, I believe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was talking yeah. about. You can
0: see like this one, if we're just looking at the square, it goes up, 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 and then it continues to go up. That is the only one that goes up at 2000 you see the triangle it drops you see the other one they go and what is
2: the co2 this was with um 800
0: um this is using 800 or 750 actually i think is what they use but they also do like stuff like temperature water usage at different rates but uh, this paper is really interesting Earlier I had just the uh, metrics up, but yeah, you can see the different CO2 levels 250, 350, 450, 550, 650, and 750. Right. And then the micromoles, um, and all that good stuff. So this paper I believe is just extremely well done. Um, they only there's use- several. So
2: there this is there's a, a several papers by the Chandra um et al. et al means and others. So there's a research team that Chandra was the lead author on. And um, They did a number of studies. Um, What's the title on this one? Can you stop at the top? I don't know if I'm looking at the right screen.
0: Photosynthetic response of cannabis sativa L to variations in photosynthetic photon flux densities, temperature, and CO2
2: conditions. There's at least two or three other articles um, that are potentially harder to come by, but they exist. You can see citations though.
0: Here are the, I got to zoom out just a little bit. Um, You gave the... Minus, minus, minus. Okay, so these are just the actual like charts. And you can see at the bottom variations in still metal conductance and cannabis sativa and varying photosynthetic flux densities. I think that just means um, the length of the stems. So under different, like how much they're growing essentially under the light. But then they also examine uh, transpiration rate with different flux densities and there's four of these total um, variations in intercellular CO2 concentrations under the different densities. That's how we
2: tell when when they're getting maxed out, like when they're getting light sensitive, um, when when carbon dioxide starts to become a limiting factor because the amount of it starts to drop within the plant.
0: Yeah, so, that, so that's the definitely...
2: intercellular CO2 starts to go down when they they hit. Yeah, so. Uh, it, 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 yeah, exactly. So
0: it's kind of showing that there is like that limit, I guess, and it's not able to manage more after that certain point. And then the final one that they show is, at least in this set of four, is variations in water use uh, based on flux density. So it's interesting. And these are all based on that same lines earlier. kind so of. So I
2: assume that one that's crashed there is profile a while. So that one that's crashed um, is because it, it shut down right the triangle that goes across the top and then plummets in that last reading so it's shut down due to stress response it's closed its somatis and started transpiring less
0: yeah look at the uh the co2 like you were saying it it, it's capacity the triangle is actually one of the worst towards the end it's at the lowest so it does have some correspondence and that would go to what a lot of us have said in the past and it seems to be a cliche at times but people say it's strain dependent, it actually does tend to be strain dependent. And the science is finally coming around to show that to us in one way or another. Uh, That being said, there are a really good set of parameters if you keep it within a certain temperature and humidity, uh, certain airflow and CO2 and things like that, good lighting. You're going to have good results for most plants across the board, but you can dial it in a little more of this, a little less of that, things like that across the board. Uh, but I know we're at the 15 minute mark now, uh, 14 minutes uh, till we're done with the show. And Spartan Grown usually jumps out about this time. So I want to pass it to Spartan and say thank you for joining us as always. And uh, final thoughts and chatters for the week.
1: Thank you, Jack. Thank you um, uh, for a guest today too, Matthew and Monkey. It's good to see you guys again. Good to talk to you again.
7: Always, man. It's good to hear from you. You yeah. come on the show soon. I've been trying to hustle you. I've got it marked in my calendar
1: to yeah, message
7: yeah. you on like the, in, in a few days. It comes up soon okay i know you're Do busy that. but when when you're free you
1: know no pressure bro uh, yeah don't worry I'm, i've got a sorry pressure, i interrupted sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry man i got a long night ahead of me still <laughs> uh, but uh shout out to you guys man it was good to hang with you guys for a while thanks and, man. Uh, of course i'll be on your show so yeah just uh hit, hit me up for sure
2: um, shout
1: out to the chat shout out to the chat man you guys were uh rocking today uh there was a, a little intrigue in chat today it was a little funny entertaining and uh and shout out to all you guys anyway they come back every day like i said you know this is my shit this is my beginning this is my genesis and i hope to be here for as long as the show will go so i appreciate seeing the same faces in chat and especially on the panels and so shout out to all you guys and cheers oh i do want to shout out one thing um in just the state this is a little selfish but in the state of michigan there's going to be another uh lobby day organized for um thursday where we're going to um, get together with the, I believe it's meeting at the, the best thing to do is to get a hold of the Michigan Weedsters through Facebook or Instagram, join them and they're, they're really good uh, communication is how I, I mean, they fucking communicate with me so well that it keeps me informed. So I got to shout them out. Um, just even just follow them and you can, and they put, post a lot of information on there, but anyhow, it's going to be up in Lansing. If you guys are, if anybody's free. Appreciate you come out if you're a caregiver or a patient, especially patients would be, are the best and just be advocates for the plant. And uh, we're going to talk because they're trying to push those same bills that uh, died at the end of the session. They're trying to bring them back in. In fact, the, uh, the uh, what do they call him, president or whatever it is of the MCMA, Steve Linder even was on comment on a podcast saying that he's not retiring. He was going to retire, but he's not retiring until he pushes these bills through. So we're gonna just show them what it's what what Michigan's about so it's just uh, anyone that wants to come out will uh, be more than happy to uh, to have you with us and they usually have printouts with uh, key points to talk with so if you draw a blank you can just look down and read something to to him or just fucking hand it to a lawmaker and um, anything helps so when you show up in person it really makes an impression so. Thank you for that and uh, growers' love. and Catch me on the Michigan Growers Grow Show. I'm coming up in about 10 minutes.
2: Grower love, Spartan. Out, hey, Spartan. Oh, Speak soon, bro. See you next week, man. All right, Spartan. Hey, me, man.
0: Thank you for always staying diligent on all that stuff. Uh, for anybody out there who's listening, if you're in Michigan, definitely heed Spartan's advice. Uh, Linder is a dirtbag and he's been pushing some terrible cannabis legislation that will make things a lot worse for everybody in the state of Michigan and potentially in other states. That stuff has carryover effects. So keep your eyes and ears open. Be uh, as active as you can if you want to support cannabis.
6: Brandon made a post on IG about something happening in uh, Oklahoma that hopefully will get passed. Right, Brandon? Yes. 818
4: and 819, we're going to be able to move forward to get it, um, start sending signatures to get it on the ballot. And that law is different from any other laws because any of the other laws that have been passed for cannabis beforehand – Uh, it doesn't matter because these would be written into the state's constitution. And so they override any of the legislation. So we'd be able to get rid of metric and, you know, preserve our constitutional rights. And it's just, it's such a good, there's such good bills for, for uh, small businesses out here. Get rid of metric. Yeah. Going to get not the metric metric. system. (laughs) Not that metric. (laughs) We already already gotten rid of metric here in America.
0: (laughs) We use pounds and ounces. We don't use kilograms and grams and, we get so confused,
4: man. You get so confused. As far as weights, as far as weights and measures go, I'm all on board with metric. It just makes life simpler when it comes to math. But we're talking about seed to sale track and trace. Um, what would if it, the what would happen is the state would be forced to reopen the bid, and um, and also it says that the uh this the, the string the it would be no more stringent than the federal guidelines for um hemp. Mm. This is the way that, that part of that bill is written out.
2: So we wouldn't have That's to have good. plastic plant tags or any of that bullshit. Yeah, the metric is the, the, the tracing system that most commercial operations use in the United States. And it's just a huge pain in the ass. So mm. it, it's not the metric system of, of weights and measures.
0: Like Brandon has mentioned in the past, before they were fighting it in Oklahoma, it's because it's not an Oklahoma organization. It's a multi-state Uh, probably multinational at this point organization who requires that on top of uh, the growers, but also the distribution and which means
4: everybody, they all have to tag their products, they create waste. And then it actually, the money doesn't even stay in goes out to Florida because that's where they're based out of.
0: Yep. So it's a few, it's a few uh, individuals in that company making a bunch of money off of, here's the worst part is like, in theory you guys could reuse your tags it's a piece of plastic with like a little sticker on it you could in theory reach out to metric and say hey uh, let's get some new numbers for those tags we'll print out just the sticker to put on the actual plastic uh, thing that you loop around the plant but no they make you take those keep them for like years store them and then buy new ones every single run so like we're talking about some of these facilities have thousands of plants and now we're talking about like several grows we're gonna have millions of Plastic tags that are single use. Not whose idea was that, man? Who's who's got a friend in the government
7: that owns a plastic? Someone at Metro. Factory yeah, factory. Somebody owns a plastic. Someone who got <laughs> sure.
0: it legalized so that they could, you know, yeah. grease the palm mm-hmm. of the other individual. Uh, most of the legalization pushers were big businesses who wanted to mm-hmm. have five permits. Like Florida, Florida had like ten permits for the whole state, and so they were paying like twenty-two million dollars to get a license to have a dispensary, and they didn't want the small guy. Didn't want mom and pop. They want to be able to collect taxes from a big five people and say, screw you to everybody else. And uh, that's why we have to be uh, make sure that the legislation don't pass. Like the first five or six legalizations in California didn't pass. And several of them, I think, were because greed. And the people who actually mm-hmm. wanted cannabis to pass didn't want the greed to take over. But it's hard to fight.
3: Hey, Mackie, what part of the UK are you from?
7: Uh, in the Midlands. Hmm. In the middle, really. I'm it's still illegal ocean. over
0: there, Matthew. Just as a yeah, heads up. So
7: they aren't. Oh, as I, can't, I, know. I can't tell you that, bro. <laughs> My like, address is, is sixty nine four twenty. I'm in England. England. It actually <laughs> yeah. is that like on our mailing list, bro.
3: <laughs> oh.
7: <laughs> got him. Well. Shit. got him. Doxed. <laughs> Shit, he's found me out. Shit. Sorry, why'd you ask, man?
3: I was trying to place your accent.
7: Oh, it's Australian accent. I've put an Australian <laughs> exactly. accent on just to make oh. sure nobody knows. See.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the a voice changer, really. That's not it's really clever. <laughs> that is clever. They're very
7: good. <laughs> these bastards troll me sometimes for the slight Australian accent I apparently have. But... Uh, I don't hear it. I, don't think I kind really of hear normal. the
3: drawl, but maybe you just
8: suggested yeah. it for me.
3: <laughs>
7: yeah, yeah. No, you hear you can it now. It yeah, yeah it's,
8: it's just when we have interview guests and asked him what Australia he's from. It's like, oh, we love that.
3: <laughs> oh, that's
0: wow. great. Oh, shit. Good fun. Well, that said, we've got about five minutes left and there is a decent sized panel. So I'm going to go ahead and start passing it around. Starting first with Dr. MJ for final thoughts and shout out.
2: Hey guys, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for our guests, Mackie and Monkey, for coming on. Uh, we got into a lot of fun lighting talk. I hope that that was enlightening for everybody. It was certainly enjoyable. I love it when we get into the, to the light talk. Um, anyways, I'm Dr. MJ Coco from Coco for Cannabis. I do a lot of grow light testing. Uh, and that's all published on my YouTube channel um and yeah i'm happy to be here again we were off last week so it's nice to sort of get back into the rhythm of doing a show this was a lot of fun so i look forward to to next week again and thanks to the chat thanks to you jack for hosting every week the rest of the panel grow love everyone
0: thanks again for Take joining care. doc you great later. to, back. Good to doc. be back later, doc. and uh next up i'll pass it over to matthew
3: I have to say this is one of my favorite episodes we've had in a long time. Not only because there was some excellent uh, uh excellent commentary in the chat, uh very funny jokes from um, multiple people, and we also got to sort of um you know, address something that was uh, pretty hilarious. So to be honest, um that was of course very funny. Uh, for those who want to learn more about you know, and I want to say this upfront, you know, even though we were looking at some things that seem like they made crazy, crazy confident claims and things that were odd. You know, don't take my word for it or anyone else on the panel's word for it, for that matter, uh, except for Tao, because he's never wrong. But everyone else, you know, just look for resources, look for sources, try to corroborate even what I say. Uh, don't take it at face value. And uh, in that spirit, you can come across my information on YouTube channel, Zenthanol, as well as my Instagram at Sync, as in Angel as in Angel, Sync Angel, um, I post a ton of research reports and uh, other educational information about pests and, and plant resistance and plant health and that kind of a thing. So you can check that out if you're dealing with pests or want to prevent them in the future.
0: Always a pleasure having you. Uh, I appreciate the valuable information that you share and I do agree that this has been one of my favorite episodes. It's, it's great being back and uh, having an awesome guest. That Being said, next up, Noah the Grower.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm Noah the Grower with two E's on Instagram. You can find me there. Most of the weeks here with everybody else. Uh, it's a good show.
1: Uh, yeah, thanks again, Jack, for hosting. And uh, yeah, I'll see everybody next week. If you got any questions,
2: you can find me there on Instagram later.
0: Cheers, Noah. Thank you so much for joining us again. And uh, if you're in the chat, you might be noticing some wrenches being added next to some names. Uh, a lot of the regular listeners, I like to uh, reward with that moderator. So if you ever do see spam or uh, you know unwanted content, I guess sometimes we haven't seen it at least uh, tonight from like bots and things like that. You can always feel free to uh, hide that user from the chat and delete those messages. Or if there's, I don't know, any we don't tend to get like hateful comments or any uh, negativity in the chat. I think we're pretty open and have good discussions. But uh, I trust everybody there who has a wrench if you feel like you need to remove comments uh, feel free to do so whenever you feel justified and we can always see what is removed or whatever but that being said it's mostly a positive thing just showing uh, acknowledgement to some of these great people who've been regulars listened for a long time and saying thank you to you and with that said i want to pass it next to uh, kyle breeder hey uh- uh-
5: you uh appreciate you doing what you do you've been doing it for a while now and you've been doing a great job at it appreciate uh, everyone that's here and the panel still doing it uh appreciate the guests i appreciate you guys giving me an opportunity to just kind of help some people i hope uh, some of the information i gave was good and uh i'm currently trying to integrate something on my website so i can accept credit cards which is a, a humongous feat uh in regards of cannabis companies and uh so i'll have access to that on my website with the I have a new drop coming in about a week and some change uh the wake and bake line which I'm pretty excited about all really good material that I use for that and uh, the the progeny came out really good but uh so yeah that's happening and uh, some other things are cool anywho but uh yeah I appreciate you guys I love all y'all and uh I'll see you guys Sunday
0: good having you as always Kyle uh... Oh. I-805 South San Diego. sorry my uh, gps started just yelling at me <laughs> getting directions for uh going to dinner tonight with a friend but that doesn't need to be included in the podcast there of course but uh next up we got uh russ brandon
4: hey what's up everybody always good to be back it's been a little bit of, um i've been pretty swamped with everything but uh we are working extra diligently at bokashi earthworks to scale everything. Get everything all finalized with labeling and et cetera, et cetera. So soil is going to be coming down the pipeline. There's always genetics on there. Uh, And I'll have some new drops coming soon, some lime and Starfighter stuff. Uh, So yeah, keep a lookout and I'll see you guys next week.
0: Thanks again for joining us, Brandon, and definitely check out his stuff at Bokashi Earthworks. Keep your eyes open. Those drops tend to not last more than a couple days. So uh, if you're wanting to get something before it sells out, you got to act fast and keep your eyes on Brandon's pages. And uh, that's the best way to get access to that. And last and certainly not least from our regular panelists, the American one.
6: Jack, thanks again for hosting as usual. Always an uh, excellent job. And uh, Zentanol, good distinction there when you were speaking earlier. I like that. Shout out to everyone in chat. Yo, Monkey and Mackie, always good to hear some accents.
8: We want you on the show
6: <laughs> as
7: well. We've been watching you, American One. Join us. <laughs>
6: yes, i will come hang with you guys anytime.
7: Sweet, man. And, uh, we'll organize something. Great. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
6: And we love the Australian slash uh, English accent too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank
7: That's you. Very
6: good. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, it's always good to be here and... Um, Yeah, you know what? I'll just leave it at that today. Peace out, everybody.
0: Thanks for coming, Tao. Always a pleasure to have you. And uh, next up, our first guest of the evening, Mackie from Percy's Grow Room. Yeah, so cheers,
7: man. It's been good. It's been good to come and sit and chat with everybody. Always loads of good information on the Cheap Home Grow Show. Always. So uh so I am Mackie from Percy's Growing.com. That's a cannabis growers forum for new guy, new growers mainly, but we like experienced growers to come over and help the new guys learn how to grow as well. You know, t- just because you're experienced doesn't mean that you don't belong at Percy's. All personal growers belong at Percy's. So head over there. We also have a podcast which you can find on all major podcast networks, which is high on homegrown. And we are also on YouTube at youtube.com/slash high on homegrown. And we have a show every Sunday as well. Two hours before cheap Hungro starts, and it's only two hours long. So, if you watch us first and you watch cheap Hungro after, then there's like four hours of good content, right? Join <laughs> us powerful, <laughs> powerful lineups. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, some good interviews as well. Check out the interviews we've had. We've had loads of
0: cool people, and, and I got most of to... you guys from the panel now, too. And not just the panelists, but I also got to vouch for Tommy Chong. I know he's a celebrity, everybody loves him, but I had the pleasure of meeting him and uh, Low Cafe couple of years ago and he's super cool like exactly who to expect him to be down to You're earth right. uh, big time cannabis advocate and a uh, long time just awesome individual made tons of great movies and music and entertainment so uh, check out his interviews on high on homegrown and uh, yeah, can you, you tell us all about that story as well yeah yeah it's a good time and that should so, be coming out soon i know we did it like indeed. privately for just the uh patreons i think over mm-hmm. there at first but it'll be coming out in a little bit and yeah, so you should be uh,
7: either i think we've got a, um, a gorilla growing episode that needs to go out this week the interview, and i think yours will follow the week after that so it's next week on wednesdays the interview goes out
0: cool cool no rush well, well i'll uh, drop you a link when it's ready mate definitely different than when we do it live and post it the same night there might be a little delay like i said i've got a little dinner tonight with a close friend and it depends on how long it takes to download the video and then upload it to the podcast so it'll either be up uh in a little bit or several hours later tonight but it'll definitely be up by tomorrow and no last rush, and certainly no not rush. least we got monkey uh so Gentlemen, everybody,
8: everybody on the in the panel, and everybody in the chat. It's been an honor to be here tonight. Uh, it was good to have a, a laugh about a grow light that we all thought was pretty ridiculous. I mean,
7: I'll forty forty. Don't say
8: shit now. It's oh, on the way. Man. What the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already ordered it.
2: <laughs> I thought it was on the, the
7: screen point. for so long. I thought you know, <laughs> I thought everyone was loving
8: uh, yes. it. Shit! Be sure Maggie.
2: to give us a full report. I'll Nick, let you know. Really,
8: let... really Mackie? <laughs> I want to hear about that one when it comes out. No, Freaking those...
7: laser beams. <laughs> the
8: lasers. It's got a laser beam. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's kind of what we do at High on Homegrown. We like to have a little bit of fun, though. But anyway, uh, yeah, come check us out over at Percy's. We are a, a, a grow forum. Unlike any other you'll find, we do not have trolls. I guarantee you 100% because that's against the rules. At Just me. <laughs> Mackie's, <laughs> Mackie's our <laughs> troll. So if you can handle our Australian <laughs> troll, you can handle anything. But it's been a pleasure being here today, everybody. And uh, by all means, come come join us on High On Homegrown one day, everybody.
0: With that said, this is Jack Greenstock. You can find me on Instagram at just like it is behind me on the logo or Jack underscore greenstock on Twitter, uh, 50strains.com, If you want a copy of the book, 50 Strains of Green. And thank you everybody for coming. This is a great time. I uh, really enjoy having new people on the podcast or having people back on the podcast from a long time ago and uh, just building out the community and you know, getting people to interact with uh, new sets of people that they haven't got to yet. So really appreciate everybody and their time tonight and uh, all the listeners live on YouTube and the people on the podcast afterwards. Jack Greenstock signing out. Yeah. Catch you all next week. Thanks for having us, bro.